Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I hit Santa on the two white to see if he coming through. I hit my back with a message. I'm stuck in St. Louis. He said, Be patient, Fizz, I'll be on my way. Two seconds later, I hit this fool coming down my chimney. What happened to Rudolph? You not cool with him no more. Man, that fool old and slow had to take the six four. Anyways, here's your eyes. Where my rock? Outside. Good morning, everyone, and welcome hey. to the opening drive. Happy holidays from 101 ESPN. <laughs> Kerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us on this holiday season. CD, a week from today is our last day before Christmas. Oh. We're off on the Friday before Christmas Eve, and so we got a week to go, brother. Hey, one week. <laughs> not yeah. not and a then a, And then a four-day weekend. That is, now, that's the best part. But, I think that's that, something. That, you, as you, Americans, we need to adopt you, that. You, Don't Randy, we, the, the three-day work week? I, I I I I was gonna go with four day, but if you want to take it to three day, hey, I'm hey, all for so that as well. First of all, we need to get out and have more relaxation because we need to be a more relaxed yeah, country on um, Fridays, right? And then you have your weekend, and then you've done so much during the weekend. I think you got to have Monday off so that you can just recharge the batteries for Randy, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You are actually a forward thinking person, and I I do not disagree with anything you just said. Can you imagine how tired we're gonna be on Sunday if we were doing if we were just relaxing all of Friday? That's gonna be exhausting work. Yeah. yeah but, but you know, one of the problems yeah. with the two-day weekend is that one of those days you got to get stuff done. You do? Right? Yeah. So basically it's a one-day weekend. It really is. It's one day off. Yeah. It's one of the days. You're, you're, you're Friday, you know, Saturday feels like it's, but it's not really. It's it's just so it's many things. And then yeah. Sunday you're thinking about, oh, I got to go to work on Monday. Right. We don't have a weekend. It, 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 you really don't. <laughs> You really don't. <laughs> I, I, it's it's a lot going on here, Randy, and you know we should talk to our local politicians and, yeah. and see how we can work mm-hmm. this in to idea. make some things happen. We need to think about this. <laughs> we have Blues hockey tonight here on 101 ESPN. The Blues take on the Oilers. Seven o'clock pregame with Alex Ferrario and Joey V. Eight o'clock with the faceoff. Blues starting a five-game trip with a game tonight in Edmonton and then tomorrow night in Calgary. CD no major baseball signings Cal- yesterday. Although Calgary. I thought we talked uh, about Robert Thomas, Thomas in Calgary. Thomas Calgary. I, I stole Calgary, Calgary from Mike Keenan. Well, Mike hey, Keenan said Calgary. He's the one that told me. He said in, Cal- in Canada we call it Calgary. No, you don't. Every, <laughs> every Canadian calls it Calgary except for you. He's the only one. Yeah. <laughs> But that was my key. I heard, I heard some one time somebody call it Calgary one time, and ever since then I've pronounced it like that. And yeah, every Canadian has told me, "What are you saying?" <laughs> so here's one of the things about we, the, we'll call it Calgary yeah. on the on the opening drive. Yeah, yeah Calgary. Yeah, there you go. The, the old timey <laughs> hockey dressing room was great because every phrase contained an F word. Every phrase, every sentence. And sometimes it would be incorporated, so like on this trip, within a word. So, for example, 
Then we got to go to Van Blanking Coover. You know, it was <laughs> not not only every sentence, but many many words had the F word incorporated within them in hosting rooms back I can, in the day. I, I can appreciate that from a coach from a from an organization. If that's how we speak of of other places that we're traveling to, let, let, let's go. Yeah, let's, I'm ready. When do we get there? When does the bus leave to get there? When what times does the flight leave? Well, I, I, I'll be there on time. Yeah. I'll be ready to roll. Gary, uh, we got a, a a very compelling text yesterday, and we always yeah. appreciate texting a 65780 to the Air Comfort Service text line, but somebody wondered whether or not with the, the recent spate of baseball contracts that the DeWitt family, either by choice or by chance, they might be priced out of baseball. When you look at what's happened just in the last couple of days of the highest AAV contracts in baseball history... Four of them have been signed in the last two years. And by the way, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander are at the top of the list with identical $43.33 million salaries. Aaron Judge makes $40 million a year. Jacob Dragram, $37 a year. When you look at the biggest overall contracts in baseball history, Judge's new deal with the Yankees, $360 million over uh, 13 year, or over nine years is the, the third largest in history. Carlos Correa's signed the day before yesterday, the fourth largest in baseball history. Uh, Bryce Hart, uh, then you've got Lindor at 341, Tatis at 340, Harper at 330, Giancarlo Stanton at 325. And, and Really, the, the total outlay is not as big a deal as average annual value. And the reason that average annual value is a big deal is because when you look at those contracts that have been signed for the high AAVs, the Mets, the Yankees, the Rangers, and by the way, it's the Mets twice and the Yankees twice. When you look at the overall revenues of baseball teams, the Dodgers are number one at $565 million. The Cardinals are, and this is from 2021, but mm-hmm. they'll go up exponentially. But the Cardinals aren't going to go up more than the Dodgers or the Mets or the Yankees. But the Dodgers' revenues are $565 million. The Yankees' revenues estimated by Forbes at $482 million. The Red Sox at $479. The Braves at $443. Uh, the, the Cubs are, uh, the, the Mets are up there now, uh, well over $400 million. The Cardinals are 14th in revenue, according to Forbes. Uh, this is from 2021 at $287 million. If the Cardinals are going to compete... Can they do so with a $287 million revenue stream? And let's point out that the Cardinals have to pay for travel. They have to pay for lodging for players. They have to pay for a minor league system. They have to pay for a ticket department. They have to pay for a PR department. They have to pay for accounting. They have to pay for an analytics department. So you can't plug all $287 million into payroll. With teams that are not reaching their revenue totals but have payrolls greater than the Cardinals' revenues, how do the Cardinals compete well, financially? I, they're going to have to. They're going to have to open up their pocketbooks. And, and you know, we were talking about it yesterday. A guy like Jordan Walker, he's going to be a free agent. He, he, let's say he gets here this, this season, and, and by 25, 26, he becomes a free agent. This, the market is going to shift drastically at that point as well. So you're going to have to find a way to keep your stars and keep your guys. And you were saying that – if this, if Yachty and 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 and, um, and Wainwright were playing in this era right now, those two would not have been able to play together the entire no. their entire careers no. based on the salaries and how they've just pretty much exploded. If you want to be able to compete, not only compete but keep your stars that are that you project to be stars, Mason Wynn when he gets here, you think he's going to be one of those guys. Uh, Jordan Walker, as I just said, you think he's going to be one of those guys. You're going to have to pay 
you're gonna have to reach the amount of money, the amount of salaries that these play, that these places are playing, paying their players in order to keep them around. And here's my question: Let's keep it specific to Jordan Walker. If the Cardinals' revenues in the la- in the next six years, let's presume that Jordan Walker starts opening day for the Cardinals and plays a six-year career the way they expect him to play it. And if their revenues would rise by 25%, that'd be a pretty substantial jump over six years. But if they could get up to 400 million in revenues from 300, is it worthwhile, reasonable, doable for the Cardinals or any business to give 10% of their revenues to one employee? If that one employee is 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 the the reason for you know them making a, a ton of money, then yeah, and especially if if that's how the market goes, it's not about it's not always about what's uh, right or what's fair. It's about what what everyone else. If everyone else is getting this amount of money, you cannot say okay, well we're just not going to pay that. And now you watch a player. Jordan Walker, who is the one mm-hmm. we're using for this example, you watch a player like Jordan Walker leave and go to another franchise for a ten-year, thirteen-year, four hundred million-dollar contract. Yeah. Yes, right now that seems absurd. It seems un- unrealistic, but someone else is going to pay it, and so if but you're somebody a Cardinal- else can see. That's the difference with football, basketball, hockey. You played in the NFL in the salary cap era. The Pittsburgh Steelers can afford to keep Ben Roethlisberger. The Pittsburgh yes. Pirates could not afford to keep Andrew McCutcheon around. That's the problem with not having a salary cap. So then, then how do you fix it? Because if 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 you have teams that are willing to pay those exorbitant amount of money monies to to, to players, how do you fix that? For a franchise or, or organizations that, like you said, the Pittsburgh Pirates that cannot, because the competitive balance is unfair. You have it's it's top heavy, and you you don't have teams like the the, the Marlins or or the Cincinnati Reds who are able mm-hmm. to compete or able to even have an opportunity to win championships. If you have teams like the Cubs or the or the Mets or the Dodgers being able to pay that much money to to keep their players, then the only way. For, I would say, the bottom 20 teams in terms of revenue, the only way for them to compete with the top 10, as far as I'm concerned, would be for the bottom 20 to practically emulate what Tampa Bay does. And Tampa Bay is extraordinarily smart. They put a lot of resources into pro scouting and obviously a lot of resources into amateur scouting. But when they went to the playoffs two years ago, of the 26 players on their major league roster, 18 of them had played for other organizations. Their their pro scouting is pristine. Mm-hmm. That's how they wind up with a guy like Randy Rosarena for Matthew Libertor. To me, that's where other teams are going to have to do a much better job, or you're going to have to be creative like Houston. I don't know why other teams, why somebody didn't think of the fact that Latin players don't max out at 16 years old. So everybody in baseball is signing 16-year-old Latin players in the international market. And Houston is saying, well, what happens when they're 17, 18, 19, 20, 21? Right. All the, I, I, they had the full pool. Nobody else was signing. Right. Nobody else in Major League Baseball was signing 17, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old Amateurs from Latin America. Well, we don't even draft guys till they're 18 in, right. in America. So, what, what were teams thinking? Yes. Until Atlanta started signing all these pitchers, and that's how they won the World Series. The Houston. And, Houston. And, I'm yeah, sorry. And so, I, I agree with that as well. And my my fear or my frustration will be if if you are unable to keep those players. What is it? it, it it's the one thing that makes sports fun is is being able to see a guy and. and Obviously, 20 years or, or 19, 18 years is a long time for anyone, and maybe that's unrealistic. But 
to keep a guy in that one uniform for his entire career is to say that's a St. Louis Cardinal. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that that when you think about certain players, that's how you envision them. You think of Ozzie Smith. He is a St. Louis Cardinal. You don't remember that. Padres, who who cares about that? No one thinks about that. He's a St. Louis Cardinal because he spent his entire, the 98% of his career here as a Cardinal. And so if you don't, if you're not able to keep those guys in the fold because of the finances, doesn't that do something to your organization? Doesn't that do something to your fan base where where there's a a set of, a little bit of frustration that sets in by not being able to keep those guys here? Yeah, it's just yeah. It, it's not what you grew up on. It's not how you envision your team. If every five years it's a completely different roster, that 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 you you can't win that way, no. and it becomes extremely frustrating. And I, I would think at some point those top markets and Steve Cohen is relatively new. But George Steinbrenner even came to grips with the fact that his team had to play somebody. Yeah. And you, know, you, you got to have other teams in there. And I know the players hate the idea of a salary cap and a salary floor because look at the AAVs that they're getting. Right. But they also were concerned in the last CBA about competitive balance and what they negotiated away with without wanting a cap or a floor is the idea of having competitive balance so that you can allow the Pirates to compete the, the the Steelers and Packers played in a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Is there any way that the Pirates and Brewers, for example, play for a National League pennant? No, there isn't. They, they, it's not going to happen. The Kansas City Chiefs are the, the best organization in football, have been for the last four or five years. If Kansas City were playing under the same rules right now that baseball's playing under, you think Patrick Mahomes would be a, a Chief? <laughs> well, they paid him a whole lot of money. They, they, they would... They, that's the thing. I think some teams find ways to make sure that they keep their their guys. That, that but they have revenue sharing in football. Yes, yeah. It, it's baseball going to have to figure something out because the contracts are going to keep exploding. I mean, it, it's it's not going to get to a point where they say, okay, forty five million a year, fifty five million a year is where we cut it off at. Next year, I guarantee you this. I guarantee you. And by the way, he deserves it. Shohei Otani is going to get $65 million a year because he is as good as Scherzer and Verlander as a starting pitcher, and those guys are making 43, and he's as good as Bryce Harper as a hitter, and Harper's making 25. So he deserves 65. Yeah, 65, 67 a year. But that's the other thing. If you're Shohei Otani and you're getting 65 million, they're not going to have – is it, you're not going to have anybody else on the roster to, to help you win games. Well, it depends. Are you the Yankees or the, or the Mets? <laughs> they 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 haven't proven themselves to be. No, but so it, one of the it, he is going to wind up with one of those outrageously high revenue franchises. It's going to be Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox, Braves, Cubs. It's going to be one of those uh, Mets. It's going to be one of those franchises. He's not coming to St. Louis for sixty five million a year because the Cardinals just can't afford it and. Uh, there are a select few teams that can. I, I would probably go, uh, my, my l- line of delineation would be the Phillies, uh, whose owner, like the Padres owner, is nuts. He's right. not tired of losing money yet. He will at some point get tired of that. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So the Phillies are the number 10 revenue team. I would say 10 teams have a chance to get Otani, 20 don't. Yeah. That doesn't that that's not I don't think that's good for baseball. I don't either. Because Ultimately. you're telling twenty franchises you don't have a chance of getting yep. one of the best players in baseball, and forget about it. You you probably aren't going to have a chance to win it, win a championship 
And by the way, even if you're the Cardinals and you're willing to lose a little money, break even or lose a little, and we'll go back to that $287 million in, in revenue. Let's say you give you have a $287 million payroll if you're the Cardinals. Mm. And then everything else that you have, debt service on the stadium, uh, paying employees, minor league system, all of that, the DeWitts pay for out of their pocket. They're business people. Right. In the long term, are they going to want to do that? I don't think so. I, I think this is a real dilemma for baseball as to how to solve this problem because you're going to price a lot of markets out of the out when, of the sport. When you start signing those players and getting those name players in, shouldn't that drive more money to your franchise, though, for, from from ticket sales to jerseys to to all of the things that you can buy at yep. a ballpark or or online shopping? Like there there well, are there are things that that add to the revenue. The, the problem is, is like NFL properties, MLB properties, if a, an Albert Pujols jersey gets sold, the Dodgers and the Brewers and the Pirates and all of those teams benefit from it. it it's it, it's, it's thrown you. into a pot and okay. then split. Uh, can the Cardinals max out much more in ticket sales? Probably not. So they've got their TV deal, and we are St. Louis isn't getting bigger. We right. aren't going to become a more valuable market. Right. So, yes, the national TV money will go up somewhat. Mm. But I don't know how, as an individual franchise, the Cardinals could max their revenues any more than they already have. Ticket prices are going to go up if that's the case. Yeah, there you go. There you go. (laughs) That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Sick of it is coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for Sick of It here on 101 ESPN. Carrie, Matthew, and Randy, great to have you with us. And guys, here we are. It's mid-December. I mean, it's literally mid-December. It's December 15th. And I haven't seen one snow game this year in football. I'm sick of the fact that I haven't seen a snow game yet. Yeah, I, I don't. The global warming thing is not great. Not great. It's yeah. still forty-five degrees. I think. What's the temperature yeah. today? Thirty-three right now. It, it was yeah. like fifty-eight. I think yeah. yesterday in December. It's kind of strange. Yeah, Buffalo had a chance and they were wusses, right? They had a right. chance for a snow game. Yeah, I mean, it was like twelve <laughs> feet of snow. Yeah, was, I, I don't think. Back in my day, here, I would have walked to school in that and back home yeah. uphill both uh, ways. Both ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sick of the NFL being wusses and not wanted to play in the snow. I don't disagree. Now everyone wants domes and no one wants to play outside in the elements. Uh, Don't you clap for that, Rock. Listen, there is a distinct advantage you get when you are a cold weather city and it becomes playoff time. Listen, you can give me all this, but listen, St. Louis Louis has recently built an outdoor stadium and they put the press box outside and I I can't think of a worse decision that was possibly made. I'm just just saying. Because they want you to be a part of the the element. You're, You're a part of the game, Rock. Carrie, I, I, I fans and, and media members alike. I long ago resigned myself to being an absolute wimp. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I need, I need HVAC, baby. I need HVAC. Oh, I don't. I, in here would be great too. <laughs> um, I am sick of hearing about Micah Parsons and the and the issues that 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 talking about Jalen Hurts. They don't even play this week. Why? Why do we do? You know what else I'm sick of? Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles Barkley had a had a. I don't know if y'all saw this the other day. He was he was on TNT on the NBA on TV, mm-hmm. TNT and and the Lakers are always on TNT. He's like, why the hell do we show these guys? Every, they are <laughs> terrible. Why are they always here? Why do we have to watch? I am sick of the Lakers and the Cowboys and teams like that that we that we are 
contractually obligated somehow, some way to speak about for whatever reason. They are they 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 are on your TV. They're always talking about mm-hmm. them. No one cares. The it's, Lakers stink. The Cowboys don't play the 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 the, the Eagles for two weeks. I think. So, well, two things here. Michael Parsons wants to be MVP, and he's complaining. It's about It's not going to happen. No, it's not. No. And the other thing is, is unfortunately, this is what America has come to, that. TV paves the way, and every network wants the Cowboys, and every, well, both TNT and ESPN, they want the Lakers because people tune in. I, I don't mind hate watching the Lakers, but... <laughs> but Charles, when you are forced yeah, to watch them, Right, Charles is 100% right. <laughs> and, and like he said, he said, it's a conspiracy. He's a, they're the 12th seed in the West. How often do we talk about the Wizards? Exactly. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> no one cares. Yeah. But you, you, you have to talk about... The Dallas Cowboys and yeah. the Los Angeles Los Angeles Lakers, and and Michael Parsons, love him. You're, you're not going to win the MVP. Yep. I mean, Lawrence Taylor was a a man amongst men, and when he won, the four franchises that moved the needle for TV are Duke basketball, yeah, Notre Dame football. Yeah, when they're good. If they're good, I guess there's five because the Yankees do, uh, and then the Lakers and the Cowboys. It's obscene, yep. and, and the fact I'm sick of people calling Dallas America's team. There is that that that, that no. moniker came up by some marketing genius. I will give him an NFL Films guy. It, it, yeah. it wasn't even a marketing genius. It was a guy who was just like, let's slap a, a tag on this like yep. six, seventy-three greatest highlights from the Cowboys tape, and then those they just ran with it. Yeah, and I think I believe now because because there's a. NFL Films documentary about the guy and coming yeah. up with it. He regrets it now. Really? Yeah. Well, you know what? Some wow. people do bad things. Okay. But yeah, yeah. I'm glad you it's realized the, for that. the horrible yeah. thing you did to American football culture. <laughs> Terrible. You accidental monster. <laughs> yeah. You're right. What's on the text line? I'm sick of having to fly on full flights. Well, excuse us, Mr. Moneybags, your flying schedule. Well, no. I listen. I, I will, I will, I will agree with this texter to an extent because there was a time, Randy, a few years ago where there, there was no one on planes. On planes. I told you all, I, I am an introvert, and <laughs> it was actually one of the, not the fact that people were passing away. That's not great, no. but the fact that people were inside and not outside, it was actually spectacular. And, and you could get on a flight, mm-hmm. and it might be twelve people on that flight. Yep. I, I was on one with seventeen. It, it's quite possible, yep. and now. The airlines may not have appreciated that, and which is why they're gouging us at this point for for flights, and then you're stuffed in there. I, Randy, I, I was telling my friend this the other day. I almost got off a plane in in uh, I was going to Birmingham last, mm-hmm. this summer, and because it was me and another big guy, and it was one of those oh, two yeah. seaters, and it was the last seat of the plane, <laughs> oh. and I was up against the wall, <laughs> and I told, I said, hey, I, I, I'll get off. I'll catch another flight. It's too many people, and me and him wow. are too big <laughs> next to each other. No offense, sir. We're both the same size. I'm not sitting against this window. I have such an easy time of getting on a plane, tilting my head back, and I, I'm out like a light. I go to sleep, too. Yeah. If something happens, yeah. I won't know about yeah, it. And, and if, if I snore, it. that's, that's hey, <laughs> tough for the person sitting next to me. I have been told that I am a quote-unquote terrible flyer. Yeah. What which do I? It's because I've, I've, t- I've been on... Do you get know, on like, plane I've and been talk? on like thirteen to- flights in my life? I don't know. I, I, I don't do it a lot. Oh, I'm no. inexperienced as a flyer. That's why I'm bad. Yeah, that's at inexperienced. It. That's, okay. That doesn't make you a terrible so flyer. I have a question. Well, I mean, five year olds be pretty bad at football. About pro sports. <laughs> Tell me if, if you can understand Same. this. If you ever did, if you ever tried to understand it, 
When NFL teams get on a charter, they've got a massive basket of giant candy bars. It's Reese's, it's Snickers, it's Three Musketeers. Oh, yeah. it's, plus, before you hop on, you get some fare from the the local city. If you're in the on the West Coast, you get uh, what the the what's the famous West Coast burger that you get? Uh, in and out or In and Out? You get, you, you, get out, out yeah. Yeah. Uh, you get a cheesesteak in Philly. You get you know, whatever. It's something really high calorie. You guys are like the best conditioned people in the world. Did yeah. you ever wonder why they gave you such kind of trashy food on those charter flights? Nah. Man, it, it, I mean, because we don't, you don't really get that stuff any other time other than when you're yeah. getting on a plane. Here's the other crazy thing about it. You could be cl- fr- flying from Cincinnati to Pittsburgh. We did it from Chicago to St. Louis. You get a couple of burgers when you get on the plane. You get the massive tr- uh, basket of candy bars. And then right in the middle, you get a steak. Yeah, they, they bring you, they, you're going to eat pretty well. You're, you're going you're gonna to eat well. You're going to have, a, a, especially the flights coming home. Generally, after a win, are, are pretty awesome, yeah. especially if they're a long flight. Guys, you know, playing cards, having a good time. It's unbelievable. And here's the other thing I will tell you about flights, which I don't understand, because I've flown on a number of those charter flights. Obviously, yeah. the 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 sticklers for put your seat back up and put your seatbelt on 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 commercial flights when you're on. Hey, why why are you why are you so angry, flight attendant? I understand. Like I I, I will. Tray table. Don't move. Don't breathe. No phone. We were, I mean, Randy, I, I don't know if this is violating any FAA regulations, uh, uh, but we were on our phones as the plane was taking off. Yeah. Uh, no one ever said, hey, turn your phone off. Put it on airplane mode. Silent. We, we have a guy on this station that would get on a charter and surf down the aisle on one of those plastic trays <laughs> as, as the plane's taking off. There you go. on this station did See? that. See? Hey, what, what are we talking about? Yeah. This is an inside. Yeah, some people here. What the hell? You guys do? Yeah, yeah it's, it gets a little wild. People standing up, flight is landing, we're standing up playing. You're not going to tell 10 grown men, football players, that have money on a table that they need to sit down as this plane is landing. Ma'am, sir, go the hell away. You go Go sit down. We'll be fine. We're not. I'm not. Mo- it's money right here. I'm not turning my back. I don't know. No. You sit down. We'll figure it out. I'm sick of that, too. <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next, our buddy Greg Amzinger, MLB Network with us on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Gary Davis, Randy Carricker, we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and uh, the great Greg Amsinger, a product of St. Louis and the Lindenwood University, lead anchor for MLB Network, joins us now. Good morning, Mr. Amsinger, how you doing? Uh, you know, I got a bit of a dilemma. Uh, tonight is the company holiday party, uh-huh, and I don't know if I want to go. Is that an ice skating rink? I, do you guys skate? I don't. I don't. I don't. Skate. I'm a bad skater. I, I've never been on a pair of ice skates in my a day in my life, Greg. Right? Like, <laughs> why there? I mean, can you imagine me in a suit and a tie skating? <laughs> no, I can't. No, I, can't. I, I think it leads to a mess. I'm gonna. My hair is definitely gonna get messed up at some point. I, I, I don't think I go. I, I just don't think I go. Maybe I make an appearance, but they're all gonna try to, you know, peer pressure me to get on skates. <laughs> That's gonna be a disaster. You'll be six nine. Yeah. <laughs> hey, good advice, man. <laughs> I can't do that, man. A six nine guy can't fall. So, uh, 
Uh, who? Okay, okay, so you got NHL Network there too. So it's the entire company, right? Leaving the NHL guys out of it. Among the baseball guys, who's going to be the best skater? Uh, I'm going to guess Al Leiter. Couldn't you see him with a scarf on, with his whole family holding hands, <laughs> skating around like the the rink at yeah, yeah. Central Park in Manhattan? Yeah, I just feel like he's the best skater. But good point, Randy. Why do we tip the scales to the NHL Network guys? Like, why are we doing what they're good at? What what is what is that about? <laughs> makes no sense. <laughs> makes no sense at all. But- yeah, I mean. We need to look at revenue and see who's bringing home the bacon. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. It's MLB Network. Why are we going to a skate break for a holiday party? I, I got to call my agent. <laughs> Greg, we were uh, free agent signings. The teams well, hold are- on, before we get to free agent signings, one other thing. Greg, I don't know if you were aware of this, but Chris Carpenter used to practice when the Blues, when he was here with the Cardinals. And Chris Carpenter was a hockey player growing up in New England, and he would get out and practice and play like Pronger. He would hack guys in the ankles. He would run guys into the boards. Chris Carpenter was an amazing hockey player. And you know, that's a psychological power because all of those hockey guys don't want to get on the mound and throw out a ceremonial first pitch. (laughs) He's basically going... Guys, I can do what you do, but try doing what I do. And that's just, they know they can't. To throw a baseball as hard as you can with pinpoint accuracy is so difficult. The only thing more difficult is hitting it. So all these guys that think baseball is, is this easy sport. It is a disaster if you're not great at it. You look terrible trying. Greg, that just made me think of how intense Chris, Chris Carpenter was, and it made me wonder who is one of the most intense baseball players you've seen. I, I, it come to mind Albert Bell getting hit by the ball and not deciding to leave the batter's box. No, I'm going to hit. I don't care that you just hit me with the ball. Who are some of the most intense baseball players you've seen or been around? Uh, well, I mean, the mad Hungarian Al Roboski is like, I grew up looking at images of him just being a complete freak on the mound, which is great. But I remember this one, this one pitcher, and I know you guys remember him as well. Remember Turk Wendell? Remember the guy <laughs> yeah, yeah. that would jump over the, the foul line? He pitched for the Cubs and the Mets, and he kind of bounced around. But he would chew licorice, and he always had licorice in his mouth. Then he would go into the dugout and brush his teeth. And it was just this weird repetition that he had. And at first when I saw him do it, I was like, wow, this guy's intense. He is a creature of habit. And then probably the fifth or sixth time I saw him pitch, he was, he was a good pitch. He wasn't great. And I just I, I realized he was in his own mental cage. And I felt bad for him. But he was so intense and so like dedicated to his routine that I felt sorry for Turk Wendell because he was more intense than even any normal human would ever want to be to function normally. So I would probably answer Turk Wendell. Google him, kid. You'll see a hilarious image on, on YouTube. Hey, Greg, free agents have been getting signed, and, and there are still a few pitchers out there. Uh, we've talked about the Cardinals needing some starting pitcher pitchers. Uh, do you think Nathan Nivaldi or, or Carlos Rodon could potentially be a, a suit for uh, for the Cardinals here, a fit for the Cardinals here? Yeah, I just think the price tag is too high. He, to me, is the pitching version of what Carlos Correa became. What do I mean by that? Carlos Correa had one team held hostage. The San Francisco Giants hmm. had to sign Carlos Correa, and therefore he walked away with $350 million. To me, the New York Yankees have to sign Carlos Rodon. If you're going to bring back Aaron Judge and give him 
you know, almost $400 million and you really think that you're going to you know, win the East to get, you're not good enough to win the World, the World Series. You're not better than the Astros. Everyone knows that. But you have to improve your rotation to go along with Aaron Judge. I think Rodon to the Yankees is so obvious that he's holding them hostage. And he is going to get over $200 million, which is what he wants. If the price tag were to come down, and I don't know what the medicals are. They dive and comb through all the details when it comes to players like this. But if the, if the numbers were to come down under $200 million, the Cardinals probably would be more likely to revisit it. But I just think at the price tag it is, they've got enough. They've got enough starting rotation depth to where they don't need to give out the biggest contract in franchise history to Carlos Rodon. I just think eventually it's going to be the Yankees. And do I think the Cardinals still add? Yeah, but it's going to be guys like Andrew Chafin, Archie Bradley. They're going to add veteran pieces to a bullpen that I think is already good. Greg, if you look at the the top 10 contracts that have been given out in history, nine of them have gone to players on teams in top 10 markets. And it looks to me like the disparity is growing. We were looking at the Forbes uh, revenue estimates for the teams. Do you think it'll be more difficult in coming years for teams like the Cardinals to be able to keep players? If Jordan Walker winds up being as great as they expect him to be, I would anticipate that it's going to be really difficult for the Cardinals to keep him from going to a New York or an L.A. Yeah, but you know what? Like I said, the night of the Most Valuable Player Award, I host that show. You know, what we saw, I will never see again. And what I mean by that is a guy finishing the top three in MVP voting uh, still be relatively young in terms of early 30s, and yet you see what everybody's getting entering free agency at age 30 or 31 and not opting out of a contract. But we saw with Nolan Arenado, and the reason he didn't opt out of a contract with the Cardinals is because he loves St. Louis. I, I just think St. Louis is in its own different category, and that's not me being a St. Louis homer. What I'm saying is there are the haves and the have-nots in baseball, and it's always going to be that way. You know, the Pittsburgh Pirates are never going to have a top-five payroll. That's never going to happen. But the St. Louis Cardinals are a money-making machine. This is an organization that people can't get enough of in their market. Highest TV ratings, back-to-back years. Over 20 years, they've been in the top five in television ratings. They're a cash cow, and and, and players know where you want to play. Players get that. And just this past season, the magical end of careers for Yadier Molina and Albert Pools, to see the adoration of Cardinal legends, what we're going to see this year with Adam Wainwright, it's not just baseball players in St. Louis that witness it. It's all over national television, and every player sees it. Every college player sees it who's eventually going to be the next great MLB player. Every high school player sees it. St. Louis doesn't have to think about contending with the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Phillies. They've got a special magic in in the culture of that town that's going to always keep players that otherwise would leave for the highest price tag. Hey, Greg, with the with the contracts exploding the way that they are, do you ever see a, a chance for a salary cap in Major League Baseball? No, no. I mean, we got, what, four, four more years in the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, experiencing those negotiations the last time we went through it, it was tough. It led to a lockout. I, I, I think the union is so strong um, that they would never, ever, after everything they've ever worked for and all the – back and forth and the haggling negotiations 
strikes that we've seen in, in years past, they're not giving this away. And if you're a, if you're a 12 year old, I, I I always bring up my friend Harold Reynolds. My friend Harold Reynolds was at a basketball camp in in eighth grade, a point guard camp in eighth grade in the state of Oregon. He won the MVP. He was the best point guard there in Oregon. He beat out two other really good players. One was Ryan Sandberg and John Stockton. (laughs) Harold Reynolds. (laughs) Harold Reynolds was the best point guard in eighth grade at a point guard camp over Ryan Sandberg and John Stockton. And Harold Reynolds, at the age of 12, had to look around the landscape of professional sports. He was a Division One recruit to be a defensive end. He could have been primetime Deion Sanders as a corner. He was unbelievable in football. His brothers played at Stanford. One of them played in the NFL. Like he, football was his thing. Basketball, best point guard in the region. Okay? And then baseball. And I think kids today are looking around and they're seeing how much money Kyler Murray gets. He turned down baseball first-round pick. But then they see he gets a, you know, a knee injury, and they, they hear about the head injuries. And then they see guys like Carlos Craig get a 13-year, $350 million contract. And guys like him and Trey Turner and Xander Bogarts are going to be paid until they're 41 to play baseball. Until they're 41. And, and they don't have to worry about the head injuries like you see in football. So I just think baseball is in a spot where with the new rule changes coming this year, guys, and, and pace of play significantly improving, if you're going to invest and in, if you're going to buy stock in a sport, baseball's it. There's not going to be a salary cap. It is the sport that players are getting paid in, and, and you're going to see this product continue to thrive. I can't imagine – what a great athlete like Harold Reynolds must have felt when he tries to score from first on a ball at the wall and Bo Jackson throws him out. When, he, when he's playing against Bo, he's, he's the best athlete. He's, he's a better point guard than Stockton. And then Bo Jackson throws him out and he gets to see Bo Jackson do his stuff. What must he have thought? I mean, think about the athletes on the field just in that one play. Yeah, right, right. right. I mean, Bo Jackson's like the GOAT of all great athletes. We're in love with Deion Sanders for good reason. But, kids, if you've never seen Bo Jackson run a football for the Raiders, you got to watch it. If you've never seen Bo Jackson hit a baseball in an all-star game, uh, it's straightaway center field off Rick Russell. You've got to watch it. This one highlight. This one highlight is the most amazing slash frustrating highlight in the history of time. Because as you know, but kids at home might not know, Harold Reynolds is one of the fastest players in the sport. Yeah. You see him rounding third, and the ball is up against the wall. You see Bo Jackson up against the left field wall, turn around and heave a baseball. Then you see the ball disappear. There's terrible camera work. It's the worst camera work ever in sports. You don't see the ball out of nowhere. It's as, as if it was shot from a cannon in the bleachers in left field. Harold's tagged out at home plate, and Harold thrown his helmet. He can't believe it. It's an amazing play, but the worst camera work I've ever seen. <laughs> and that's why, of all the throws, of all the great throws, to this day, I still will watch on YouTube Rick and Keel's throw at Coors Field. Mm-hmm. To me, that is, if you want to watch the great throws of all time, Rick and Keel th- made a throw that you'll never see again. 
and I enjoy watching great camera work. We got to capture these moments. <laughs> Greg, my favorite Bo Jackson play is him running up the wall and coming down. That, that to me is is the absolute. That's just freak athlete of freak athletes. Uh, my last question for you, Greg, was: We often, I often, and and most football players often talk about the 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 baseball players union and and how strong it is. What makes it so strong? Because I feel that the NFLPA is is not as strong. I think baseball is probably the strongest of the major four major sports. What makes them so strong? and making all of the decisions that they make? Well, I think it's strength in numbers, A, right? And, and when I say numbers, it's not just, you know, members slash players. What I also mean is games played. Mm-hmm. I mean, the number of games. If you're running a business and you're trying to get people to, to fill the seats 81 times in a market, you're going to need the, the talent on the field to get them to come. So when we had strikes before and you had players that walked the picket line and said, you know what, I'm going to cross this, I'm going to play. And they were called scab players, right? The, the level of talent, we just, we're just we t- telling stories about Chris Carpenter playing hockey, how hard it is to throw a baseball 90 miles an hour with pinpoint accuracy, and it's even harder to hit it. When you bring B, C, D level players into a, a, a baseball forum and you expect fans to watch it, it's so watered down. It's so not good. I mean, you can you can watch a, a, a low level division one, division two basketball game and still be entertained if they're e- evenly matched. But you're not going to see guys do what we've become accustomed to watching. So Major League Baseball and the owners know they need these guys. They need the top 1% of baseball talent. The reason these free agents are getting paid is because this is a great class of faces of franchises. You, you have ran, it's a rare class to have this many players that can overnight change your organization. And we need to tip our cap to, to the performance lately of long-term stars. We're seeing these contracts because, in my opinion, three players have changed the narrative of long-term contracts and free agency. Max Scherzer was money well spent, over $200 million by the Washington Nationals. Uh, Manny Machado has turned the San Diego Padres into a powerhouse. That is $300 million well spent. And look at what Bryce Harper did. The guy needed Tommy John surgery, had a busted thumb, repaired that to come back and lead his team to a World Series. They're changing the narrative of long-term contracts. And because of those three guys, I think you're seeing these long contracts get doled out. And again, when you have a face of a franchise that people know they can watch, uh, 81 times in their market, that's a big deal. That's why, to me, the union is the strongest of all the sports. It's the MLBPA. Hey, Greg, last thing before we let you go, you and I talked privately about the Cardinals uh, and what they might add the rest of the way, and we, we both would like them to get a veteran reliever. But when you look at what the way the roster is set up right now, would you be at all surprised if the Cardinals would go to spring training with the group that they currently have? I, I would not be surprised if they didn't add anybody else. I, I wouldn't be shocked. No, not at all. Um, I, I, it's not in their MO to like just leave out throwing a flyer at a guy. I, I think that's an obvious. But you're going to see you're going to see an Archie Bradley or someone like that get a chance and invite to spring training, and they hope that he pans out. But even if they don't do that, to your point, this is the best team in the division. Uh, I think the Brewers made a very uh, thrifty move. To get their hands on Contreras is, is, a, is a super talent. I don't know what happened there, why the Braves 
I guess they must not be the receiver they were looking for, and their, their starting pitchers uh, didn't enjoy throwing to him. To get Sean Murphy, that is definitely an ad for the Braves. But I just don't know what the Brewers think they're doing to part ways with Colton Wong. If they think they're better, and they got the great top three of a rotation. But this is the Cardinals division. And, and what I hope doesn't happen is what I call the UConn effect. Do you remember when UConn men's basketball had a Mecca Okafor? They had Ben Gordon. They were by far the best team in college basketball entering the season. And then they lost like six games <laughs> during the regular season. <laughs> and they got like a low seed. But then they went and won the national championship in the NCAA tournament because they just knew they were the best team. They kind of went through the motions during the regular season. Then when the tournament came, they actually lived up to the hype. I just hope the Cardinals have that 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 hunger when they that play like they're the underdog. If they do that during the regular season, you're going to see a 100 win team. That's how good this club is. But if they know they're the best team in the Central and they're okay with that, that stuff leads to disappointment. And then all of a sudden, the the big storyline is where did the Reds come from? And that, that's what everyone's talking about. The Cardinals need to play like they're the underdog. If they do that, they're not just the best team in their division, but even if they go to camp with the guys they have right now, they could they could battle the powers of the East. And I see just the East because I think the East is better than the West now. They could battle the powers of the East to be in the World Series. Greg, one last thing before we let you go, and that it regards tonight. So the big fellas are going to be there. We know that Manfred and Bettman are going to be there. You're their guy, so you need to show up and just make an appearance. Just say, go in, shake hands, uh, Commissioner Manfred, Commissioner Bettman, uh, Merry Christmas, thanks for having the party, and then you can get the hell out of there. Yeah, but you know, I, people people bully me, man. I don't know why. I'm just. I think it's because I'm so gangly and uncoordinated and goofy. I think people are are, are like throwing side bets on how fast I'll fall. I'm not kidding. Yeah, don't skate. If don't I go skate. To this holiday party. I won't even put the skates on. I will be held down. They will tie skates on my feet and they will slide me out there. I I, I don't know. I'm worried. My coworkers aren't very nice to me. Well, that, that's one of the great things about having kids, Greg, is that you can say, hey, I have, I have a, a holiday event for the kids I got to get to. <laughs> well, everyone knows my kids. They're like, Dad, we want to see videos of you falling on your butt at the holiday party. And everyone will know that. If I go, I'm going to fall and you'll see videos. Uh, I can't I wait. Thank you, Randy, the video that has taken me getting my hair messed up on a, oh, on a no. skating rink. You're the I best. Can you just picture Kevin Weeks? Can you picture Kevin Weeks sliding and pushing me over and laughing as he skates by? I can totally see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. You're the best. See you later. All right. Take care, guys. Take care. That's Greg Amzinger, MLB Network. we got a quick take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line. Carrie, Matthew, Randy, and CD. Last season, Joey Gallo hit one sixty. One sixty with two teams with a six thirty eight OPS. Left handed hitter. G A L L O. Right, right. This was a discussion yesterday in the fast lane. Take it or leave it. With the elimination of the shift, the Cardinals should take a flyer on Joey Gallo. 
Uh, take it. Uh, we, we've talked about the shift being eliminated and how that's going to help so many uh, of these players that are heavy pool hitters. They're going to have an opportunity to get some singles here and there that they may have otherwise been been lined out mm-hmm. right to the shortstop or the second baseman. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. This is a guy that in 2021, he was like the ultimate three true outcomes player. 38 homers, led the American League with 111 walks, and led the American League with 213 strikeouts. He's he's the ultimate three outcome player, but I do think that he'll be better with the shift, and I'd, I'd take my chances too. By the way, won a couple of gold gloves in the outfield. He's a great athlete. Uh, he's played in a couple of all-star games. Yeah, I'd, I'd take a shot at uh, Joey Callo. <laughs> uh, Steve Keim, the GM for the Arizona Cardinals, <laughs> has uh, stepped away from his duties due to illness or or mm-hmm. just not feeling well. Take it or leave it, he's not coming back. I'm going to take that, CD. He's, I think that this done. is the first step out the door for him, and I don't think my guess would be from afar that the Cardinals really were planning on keeping him around anywhere. Anyway, there was a column yesterday in uh, the, uh, the Phoenix newspaper uh, about how the Cardinals should fire... Keim and Cliff Kingsbury right after the season ends. Yeah. When you get your columnists after you saying that they should yeah. be fired, it's pretty tough to come back from. So I'm saying, yeah, he doesn't come back. Kingsbury stays. They, they're not going to bring a new coach in to deal with the mess of having to do a new offense with a quarterback that is out for potentially the the, the vast majority of the year. Uh, but Keim, I, I believe, hey, do you think this was a, a him deciding that it was time to go or he was kind of, hey, this is, you I, should probably... I would think You're not feeling well, right? With, with that organization, that, Michael Bidwell has a lot of integrity. I, my guess is that this is a regular, a, a real illness. Okay, and do you think Steve Kime saw the writing on the wall? I'm and, sure he and, does. And said, "Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I haven't been feeling well. Yeah, it's probably time. Yeah, eh, okay, and." That's- Bill Bidwell didn't decide on his own to give Bidwell's $235 million to Murray. Kyle had to go to him and say, hey, you know what? We should do this. We should give $235 million Not of your great. money to Kyler Murray. Not great. That would give me an upset stomach, too. <laughs> me, too. <laughs> All right. Matthew, what do we got? Take it or leave it, the Cardinals will never sign a free agency superstar. Their only chance is a homegrown talent extension or a trade and extend. Take it. Hmm. I, I'm going to leave it. Never is a long time. Mm-hmm. How about under this ownership? Mm, okay. I can tell you right now for certain that this ownership will not sign a player to a 10 or more year contract. Even if it's Jordan Walker? F- a, a superstar free agent free from agent. the outside. Gotcha. They, they won't not, get the guy. Not in-house. Yeah. Not, yeah. Okay. I, I'll take that. If you're a super analytical team, mm-hmm. don't you have the same amount of input for a player who isn't on your team is a player who's on your team? If if that if that's your hardcore, this is the number we go off of, then isn't the input the same? No, you never know what you're getting. You never do. You from always, outside. You always know your outside. own guy better. Yeah. From outside. You 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 don't know what guys, what bad habits they have on the field, off the field, who they really are. Marcelo Zuna. Yeah, you you don't know what guys are. If they're not in your organization, but if it gets me to a certain number. What do I care about those those habits? Because it matters. Because if you got a guy that has some really poor habits and does things in poor ways, eventually whatever you're doing can can and it could be something as simple as not taking care of your body properly. You know, during the week. You think the Dodgers would re-sign Trevor Bauer right now? I don't think so. Pretty bad habits. Pretty bad ah. habits. Yeah, it's not always it's just saying. Boil it down to one number. Even <laughs> yeah. then, even then, when you think you got this perfect math equation, 
things with the eyes, things yep. outside of the numbers always come to Even the most analytical teams have to admit from that perspective it can't always just be the number. Two that's former why yeah. analytics aren't the only no, thing. That's why that's why it's okay. dumb to only consider that's analytics. That's why I said they're not the only thing. Like the only two, thing. two former Cardinal managers that would I mean, if if I heard it once, I heard it a thousand times. Joe Torrey, the game has a heartbeat. Yeah. And Tony LaRusa, they're men, not machines. Unless and, it's Albert. Yep. <laughs> right. Then he's a machine. <laughs> Take it or leave it. The Cardinals ownership will not change for the next thirty years. I'm going to leave that. Really? Yeah. You see them. You see uh, them. Mr. DeWitt is getting up there, Mr. Okay. DeWitt Jr. And I, I do think that there will come a time where the DeWitt family probably will see the value of the team in terms of dollars exceed the value of them owning it on a regular basis. Fandom worries me. As we have that conversation, we immediately get, take it or leave it, the Cardinals need to sign Trevor Bauer. Yeah, I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that. Yeah. Why would you Why would you think that's a good idea? Trevor Bauer's career is over. He's not coming back to anybody. Ever. Nobody's going to sign him. It's, a, it's over for him. But he is getting $35 million from the Dodgers. Still. Yeah, this year. Baseball contracts uh, are guaranteed, yeah. Randy. Yes, they are. <laughs> Thank you very much for your text. We do appreciate it. Hey, with Alexander Ovechkin reaching 800 goals, what's the most impressive number by a current athlete? That's next on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. Every day we get together and we have a post-show meeting. We were talking about Ovi getting to 800 goals the other night with the hat-trick. Alexander Ovechkin reaching third on the NHL's all-time list. And you look around right now and you, you wonder about what the most impressive numbers are. And, Kerry Matthew, I don't believe that in my opinion, and there's some really impressive numbers out there, but with the era in which Alexander Ovechkin is playing 800 goals to me is the most impressive number out there in, in all the sports. That's a high number. I mean, you, you, we talked about it yesterday. Only three people in the history of the sport have reached that number. Um, but you have a lot of other numbers on the list that, that I mean, some, some longstanding records that have been broken. You got Tom Brady with uh, 88,000 yards passing and, and passing Drew Brees. Thomas played for, I don't know, what number, what year is this for him? 23, 22, mm-hmm. 23 years? Do you see, I don't see another quarterback getting to that number um, anytime soon, if ever, because it takes the, the amount of longevity that it takes to, that is required to play that many years. Maybe it's Mahomes. This is maybe Patrick guy. Mahomes yeah. is the only one you could say could potentially, but that's, a, I mean, you're going to, he's going to be 90,000 yards. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough number to pass. Um, we talked about Steph Curry's. Three-point record, which, I mean, up until this point, no one had ever done it to the level that he's ever done. I saw a a stat the other day where there's a number of 10-point, 10 three-point games. Well, I think he has 20 or 30, and and the next closest person was at six, I believe. Like it, it's it's 
It's a massive number for him shooting the three ball. It's unbreakable. Now, the reason that I I take this one, and by the way, the the Steph Curry is incredible. LeBron just needing 795 points to become the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. Uh, And Judge hitting 62 home runs. In a non-steroid era, in the 150 years of baseball, you've got Roger Maris, you've got Babe Ruth, uh, and you've got Aaron Judge, right? That's it. But the thing about Ovi is that he is third all time and Brady you have Drew Brees just retired with 571 Brady's got 641 touchdown passes and and you've got Mahomes if he would stay healthy able to do that the number two goal scorer in the NHL right now behind Alexander Ovechkin's 800 is Sidney Crosby at 534 oh he's not he's not close no not even close yeah yeah, and so that's to me what makes Ovi so impressive. I mean, like I said, that the, in the history of how long has hockey been playing? How many how many years have they been playing? Has the NHL uh, over a hundred years? So yeah. in a hundred years, you got three players that have done one thing. Yeah, that's a right. that's a that's a, a feat in itself. And you probably you're probably right, Randy. That that number in itself is going to be a tough number to to catch or surpass. Um, does he does he catch? Wayne Gretzky in in goals in his how many years does. does he have left? I, I think in he, him, I think he could do it in three years. Even as a power play specialist, yes, uh, he needs to have three more thirty goal seasons, and he'll he'll wind up with he'll score thirty more this season. How old is how old is uh, Ovi? Ovi is he's, be, he's thir- thirty eight. Thirty just thirty thirty seven. Thirty seven in September. Okay, so he he still got three four years left yeah. in him to yeah. play to play and and potentially pass that. Uh, that record for for yeah. Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. So he's he's a guy that uh, we should all appreciate. We should we should appreciate what he's doing because it's the kind of thing like with Brady, like with Steph, uh, like with Judge, like with LeBron. It's likely we aren't going to see his likes ever again. If you are to pick one of these um, things off of this list that you would think could be surpassed, mine would be probably Aaron Judge as the most realistic one. The 62 home runs would be the most realistic one that could. I don't. I, I mean, because that's a that's a season record as opposed yep. to a career thing in in comparison to the other ones. I think, and uh, this is kind of a stretch, but I think Steph has singularly changed the game so yeah. much. You see so many kids now, ten year old kids in Y games yeah, shooting the three one. from where he threw th- <laughs> shoots it. I think that he's going to change the game and probably cause his own record to get beat because he's. It's kind of like Tiger. It's he, he has changed the game yeah. and brought people, gotten people to do things that they would have never dreamed of doing before. But I still have yet to see anyone do it to the to the level that he's that, that he's doing it. Like he, when he shoots the ball, you you generally think it's going to go in. Like I, yeah. There aren't many players, maybe Clay Thompson, where when they shoot the ball, you're surprised when they miss. He, him, and Clay are, are really the only two players that I think of that shoot that many threes. That yeah. I, I generally expect. He, to go he's five hundred ahead of Harden, and Harden's in second place. And Harden but is. I just close to the end. I don't think that guy's in the NBA yet. I don't think the guy who breaks hmm. the Steph record is in the I mean, NBA. Look how yet. good Jordan Poole is, and he and we and he we're not even going to yeah. consider him being a guy who's going to touch that because I mean he can launch no. from thirty feet. Trey Young can launch from thirty feet. These guys aren't going to touch it. It's what Steph Curry did for like a five six year run is is, is going to be untouchable, yeah. and therefore the record will be untouchable. Yep. That is today's fresh take here on one hundred and one ESPN. Coming up, the voice of the Blues on Valley Sports. John Kelly joins us here on the opening drive.
You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. You could argue, I wouldn't disagree with you if you made the argument, that the most impressive Blues win of the season came in their third game at Edmonton, a 2 nothing win uh, way back in October, October 22nd. And the Blues are back in Edmonton tonight where they'll take on the Oilers. And you can hear the game here on 101 ESPN. See it with John Kelly and Darren Pang on Valley Sports Midwest. And the TV voice of the Blues, John Kelly, joins us right now. J.K., good morning. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? Good. I was uh, asking Matthew and and Carrie, and you can verify this. You're you're in the Mountain Time Zone in Edmonton, correct? Yeah, I just looked out my uh, hotel room, and it's still pitch dark here. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to do that for you. Sorry to wake you. Yeah. J- JK, no, you didn't wake me. I'm awake, but um, you know the, the sun it, 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 uh, it, it leans to the south in, in the winter, so it's really dark up here at this time, which gotcha. is fine. You know, hey, hey, John, would I be wrong in saying? And I know that that, but we've got done a lot of things. We've had a lot of water under the bridge since that third game of the season, but I, I can still see that game in my mind's. I, and it was so impressive. Do you think that was the Blues' best performance of the season? Yeah, I really do. From from start to finish, they held Edmonton to, I believe, 23 shots on goal and won 2 nothing. It was a masterpiece. And, and that's why Randy, on the heels of that win, they lost eight in a row. It was just, are you kidding me? You know? And they had, they had won three in a row to start the season. So, yeah, I think that was their best game of the season. And then Edmonton came into town um, on October 26th, and that was a really good game in St. Louis. It was 1-1 after 2, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins scored the winner with about you know six minutes left or so. But, you know, the Blues have played the Oilers um, tough in both games, um, but I think, as you said, that third game of the year was perhaps their best overall performance. Hey, J.K., the uh, game they played against the Predators a couple of nights ago was, uh, it seemed to me as though they had more energy, they had more effort. Uh, they they were playing that heavier game that, that Craig Berube has talked about. What did you see from their performance uh, versus the Preds? Yeah, well, I think, Kerry, the last couple of games, uh, you know, I know Colorado was without McKinnon and Landis Scog and, and a couple of other of their uh, top players. Um, but I think the Blues played a pretty good game against Colorado, you know, they really should have won the game if it wasn't for an unfortunate break late. Um, and I think the game the other night against Nashville, again, I think it, it was a heavy game. Um, but I think the biggest thing the last two games that I've seen is the Blues are checking better and they're defending better and their penalty killing has been perfect in the last couple of games. And I don't need to tell you guys that their PK going into last game was 65.6%, which is 32nd in the NHL. So, it has not been good at all. So, you know, if you can start, um, you know, baby steps, so to speak, I think trying to get some momentum here and, and win some games and, and get back in the race. And they're only two games under 500, so they're, they're certainly in the race. But obviously they have a ways to go. It starts to me with, with defending better and killing penalties. And I think they've done um, those two things better in the last two games. 
Hey, I asked Bernie this yesterday. I'm going to ask you: Do you think that those two things are tied hand in hand? That they're playing, they're they're more comfortable playing that that heavier, more physical game because they are doing better on the penalty kill. Uh, it seemed at times they were afraid to get those penalties because they were struggling on the penalty kill, but now they're doing better. And it it feels to me that all those things are tied together. Yeah, perhaps they are, Kerry. You know, they're they're not the same big heavy team that. They were back in eighteen nineteen when they won the Stanley Cup. They're just a different team. And, and really, quite honestly, the league is changing every year. And you just don't see those big, heavy teams anymore. You know, you look at the teams that have won the Cup recently. Uh, Colorado wasn't a, wasn't a big, heavy team. I mean, they had Manson on defense, and, and Eric Johnson's a pretty big guy. And then Tampa Bay, um, they went back-to-back Cups after the Blues. You know, they're not a big, heavy team. They're known as a skill team. So, you know, I think it's important, you know, not really to be a big, heavy team, but to be hard on the puck and to, to play the right way and, and not to to play a freewheeling, wide-open game. And I think at times the Blues have been sucked into that type of game and that they're not really built to do that. They're, they're built to play four lines and check and hold on to pucks and things like that. Now, they do have quite a bit of skill, as we know. It hasn't really... Um, been as evident as it was last year when they had nine twenty goal scores, and you know you look at this recently completed homestand. The Blues went one one and one. They only scored five goals, so they need to score more goals. So, but I, I think that you know a roundabout answer is yeah, the Blues they need to continue to check better, uh, possess the puck better, and obviously special teams are always important. I mean, if you look at a, a hockey game and, and say, well, our special teams outperform the other team and our goaltender outperformed the other team, then there's a really good chance you're going to win that particular game. Hey, John, we grew up, you and I, in uh, in a time when people talked about a, a bell cow for a team, a, a, somebody that everybody looks to, and when the cows were going back to the barn, the bell cow led the, the crew. Colorado had McKinnon. Tampa Bay has had Kucherov. Washington, obviously, with Ovechkin. The, the Penguins, Stanley Cup champions with Crosby. Who is or who could become the Blues bell cow with this group? Well, I, I think it's been O'Reilly, quite honestly, and it's pretty obvious. You know, he led them, you know, Consmith Trophy winner, and and uh, I still think it is. He's their captain, and um, when, when he's playing his best hockey, then it gives the Blues a, a, a great chance to win, obviously. But, you know, he's obviously slowing down a little bit. I think it's obvious. I don't, I don't mean to be harsh, but, uh, you know, Robert Thomas on most nights gets more ice time than Ryan O'Reilly. And, you know, Shen is back to center, and, and he's a big part of the leadership group. So I really think, Randy, honestly, now, it certainly was a couple of years ago. It certainly was no question it was O'Reilly. And now it's almost more by committee, I think, with I think O'Reilly is still up there, but, but obviously Shen and Falk and, and Robert Thomas. You know, if this, this team is going to be good down the road, you know, two, three, four, five years from now, you know Robert Thomas and Cairo. They've got to. They've got to be the bell cows of this hockey team uh, because those older guys can't go on forever, right? Um, but I think right now it's still O'Reilly, the guy that leads this team, no question. Hey, John uh, Bennington took a shot off the wrist um, against the Preds in the third period. Any updates? Is he good to go for tonight? Yeah, you know he practiced yesterday and looks fine. He actually made a great glove save in overtime after mm-hmm. you know blocking that shot on the you know wrist or outside of the hand. So. I don't think there's any kind of issue. If you know, if there was, he certainly wouldn't have practiced yesterday. So you know, he he was on the plane, and uh, Buchnevich did skate, and the the coach said he looked really good, and he should return tonight. So that's a big addition to the Blues. He was red hot, as we know, 
And as I said, the Blues only scoring five goals in their last three games. They need some offense and they need some um, they see predictability from their lines. Hopefully he can come back in and the Blues can can play well tonight. John, final thing. One of the things we always heard about Edmonton was that great mall. And as folks know, heck, two-thirds of the malls in America have closed. Is that mall still in Edmonton and a viable thing? You know, Randy, I'm going to take a guess. Um, I think it is. Um, it's, it's, uh, it is a giant mall, as you said, one of the biggest in the world. I, I was there years ago. Um, but I break out in a cold sweat when I go to a mall, so I don't go. Um, I let my I let my wife and, and my daughters do my shopping for me, so I, I have an aversion to malls, so I'm not going to go there today. I guarantee you that. All right. Well, we know you're going to go to the rink. We'll be tuned in tonight on Bally Sports. Can't wait to, to see that tonight and tomorrow against Calgary. J.K., always good to have you with us. Thanks for the time. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks, guys. See you later. That's the voice of the Blues on Bally Sports. John Kelly, uh, he is the he's the best in the business. What a great hockey play by play guy he is on TV. Coming up next, we've got the fight for you here on the Opening Drive. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, average Joe listener. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and we are getting prepared for the fight. Rock, are you ready? I am ready, Kerry. All righty. Who is our fighter today? Our fighter today is Andy. Andy, are you ready? I am ready. You are ready to roll? I am. All right. Rock got some some interesting questions today, so we'll see how this how everyone fares <laughs> on this one. <laughs> All right. Let's start this one off on a fun one. Which Patriot did New York Giants wide receiver David Tyree catch his one-handed helmet catch over in Super Bowl Forty Two? Was it Asante Samuel, Eugene Wilson, or Rodney Harrison? Wow. I don't, man. I'm gonna go Harrison. But it's probably just thrown in there because of the name. Who managed the Moneyball Oakland A's from 1996 through 2002? Was that Rob Gardenhire, Art Howe, or Ken Maka? Um, I know Art Howe was in there on prep. I'll go with Art Howe. All right, Andy, there have been three major professional basketball teams in Canadian history. The current, the current Toronto Raptors, the now former Vancouver Grizzlies, and what other now defunct franchise? Is it the Calgary Canadians, the Ontario Red Wolves, or the Toronto Huskies? I'm going to say Ontario. All right, Andy, and who is the winningest manager in MLB history with a winning record? Is that Tony La Russa, John McGraw, or Bobby Cox? Winningest MLB manager in MLB history. Okay. Yes, winningest um, manager in MLB history that has a winning record. I think it's still McGraw. I'm gonna. I mean, Cox won a lot of games. I'm gonna go with McGraw. All right, we're gonna have to double check our score, and we'll go get Randy Carricker. Andy, how how are you feeling? 
I'm awake and got a cup of coffee. You, well, that? That, that, there's a start. I just thought about this. Randy and Andy. Maybe that's <laughs> lame. I don't know. <laughs> it just came to my mind. Because I, I almost said Randy when I said Andy. Been talking to Randy so long. Uh, well, 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 let's hope I did as well, Randy. <laughs> Randy is coming in. He has his diet, Dr. Pepper. Um, that's the only oh, thing he man. took out there today. Yeah. I didn't see him take anything else. I took else. some grapes out. Did you take grapes? Yeah. Oh, well, um, Andy, I don't know. It's going to be a rough one. I think it got colder in this studio. Well, I was out. Randy, it's possible. The studio has its own way of kind of sorting things out. Yeah, yeah it got colder. It, it gets cold. It gets hot. Yeah. Nah. You know. Yeah. Randy, say hello to Andy. Andy, good morning. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. There's something wrong with Rockio. Good morning, Randy. I hope you can fix him. He's stressing. Yeah. Why is he stressing? We'll talk about okay, it later. Good, okay. <laughs> All right, Randy. Here we go. This is a good one for you. Okay, good. All right, you'll like this one. Okay. Which Patriot did New York Giants wide receiver David Tyree catch his one-handed helmet catch over in Super Bowl 42? Helmet catch. Boy, has Eli gotten a lot of mileage out of that, hasn't he? Holy cow. <laughs> so just as a, a fun side note here, uh, it was uh, when Trent Green got hurt, before the 1999 season, mm-hmm. um, he, he got hurt on a cheap shot roll up the leg by Rodney Harrison, then of the mm-hmm. Chargers. Two years later, when Mike Martz was the head coach of the Rams, mm-hmm. they played at the Chargers, and Mike Martz developed a game plan where he threw the ball on the first 17 plays of the game, <laughs> and about 10 of those were right over Rodney Harrison. Going right at him. Go right at him. Yeah, it was awesome. Get him, get him paid or get him fired one way yep, or the other. Yep, yep. So, hey, yeah, you're going to do that to us. We're going to do that to you. So uh, I believe it was Rodney Harris, number 37 for the New England Patriots. Randy, who managed the Moneyball Oakland A's from 1996 through 2002? Who was it? it was, oh. Art who? Art. Art how? <laughs> All right, Randy. There have been three major professional basketball teams in Canadian history. The current Toronto Toronto Raptors, Mm -hmm. the now former Vancouver Grizzlies, and what other now defunct franchise? Was it the Montreal Royals? Uh, That was a baseball team. Let's see. Uh, It had to be Toronto or Montreal. Because they wouldn't have done anything else. So these are NBA, right? Are we talking NBA or ABA? This was oh, the NBA this or was, ABA? This was the precursor to the NBA. Okay. I'll do the lifeline. All right. Is it, is it the Calgary or Calgary Canadians, mm-hmm. the Ontario Red Wolves, or the Toronto Huskies? I'm going to go with Toronto simply because it's a uh, bigger market. All right. And who is the winningest manager in MLB history with a winning record? Um, I guess we're saying that Connie Mack had a losing record. So it's the guy with the most wins with a winning record? Well, Tony is second, and he's got a winning record, so I guess Tony Larissa. Well, if you're just going to logic it out like that, fine. <laughs> that... Was an interesting fight today. It was an interesting one to put together. So, does Randy go into a Friday having to protect 
that Hall of Fame, that all that thing that scares me and Carrie more than anything else, which is a Monday potential Hall of Fame round. And that could be how it lines up if we have a winner on this Thursday. Did Andy get enough to top Megamind? Or are we going into a Friday with a potential clean sweep for Randy? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. There th- thanks to Mobile On The Run, by the yeah, way, thanks. for sponsoring the fight. Of course. They, thank you big time to Mobile On The Run. That is a 4-2 win for Randy. Andy, you get a good job getting two, but unfortunately, Megamind sometimes locks in and gets all four right. And that was another day, his second day in a row, where he did, in fact, get lock in and get all four correct. So thank you very much. Andy, before we let you go, though, let's go through all those answers so you know them. It was, of course, Rodney Harrison. And happy birthday to Rodney Harrison today, <laughs> who got uh, mossed, if you will, by David Tyree in Super Bowl 42 before the Giants went on to win that Super Bowl. And we don't talk enough about Eli getting away yes. to throw that pass. Yeah, because they should have be- caught today's NFL, he'd have been whistled down. I believe yeah, other uh, other St. Louis here, Richard Seymour is the one who last had a hand on him mm-hmm. uh, in that play. Uh, who managed the Moneyball Oakland A's from 1996 to 2002? That was, in fact, Art. Who? How? Former Cardinal Art Howe, 1984, yes, he played fact, for the Redbirds. There have been three major professional basketball teams in Canadian history, the current Toronto Raptors, the now former Vancouver Grizzlies, and the now defunct Toronto Huskies, who played one year in the precursor league to the NBA. I didn't know, I didn't, I wasn't aware of this until last night. A lot of the original owners who got together to put together the NBA owned hockey teams. And so they thought, hey, listen, we got a bunch. Of, we, we, we let's get some hockey money in here. Let's put a team up in Canada. It lasted one year. And the min- winningest manager in MLB history isn't with a winning record. Is in fact Tony Larusa. Connie Mack is below 500. He actually coached. Uh, he coached 53 seasons, 25 of them below 500. So he's a below 500 record in his career, which makes the winningest manager in MLB history Tony Larusa with his 2,902 wins and his 5.36 winning percentage. It is a 4-2 win by Randy. Andy, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for playing today. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, man. Thanks, Andy. Uh, Connie Mack owned the franchise. Can you call yeah. a coach, the manager, a coach? Can you call managers, no, man, coach, they get coaches? Do they, they get upset they get with that? Yep. Is manager or skipper? Is yep. that is that yeah. the, the, the correct terminology? Yeah. Is that all they go by? Yeah. One time I was heading into Roger, Roger Craig, the former <laughs> manager of the uh, the uh, Giants, and somebody, one of our cohorts in the media walked in and said, hey, coach, and Roger Craig said, I'm the manager. Yeah, so they, yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. It's a deal, different yeah. title, huh? Yeah. yeah. Just wondering. Yeah. So no, you don't. You uh, can't call Make it. sure I, I, I use the correct terminology yeah. when I'm speaking to skippers. Yeah. Now, they do have coaches, coaches. with managers. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they want to be called manager or skipper or whatever. Kerry, uh, Randy, Matthew, coming up next on 101 ESPN. We talked about this earlier, but if the Cardinals were to get priced out of baseball's superstars, then how many teams can really get them? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Davis, Randy 
Carriker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. If there was ever any doubt about Die Hard, which I watched last night being a Christmas movie, this is the first Christmas song you hear. There isn't a song in Die Hard that isn't a Christmas song. Exactly. And it's played during Christmas time. Yeah, it is. So it is a Christmas movie. For those of you that choose to say otherwise, you're just wrong. Just wrong. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you feel that way. Yeah. And maybe eventually you will come around and, and do things better in life, especially when it comes to <laughs> Die Hard being a Christmas movie. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Kerry, we talked about this off the top of the show. With the, the mega contracts that have been signed, and I don't think anybody, any rational person begrudges baseball players what they're getting. Carlos Correa getting his $350 million contract. Uh, Aaron Judge getting his $360 million contract. But... The price of doing business at the high end of MLB is soaring up to $35, $40 million a year. And we're going to reach a point where to have multiple stars, you're going to have to spend probably $70 million bucks on your top two players. Because look at the Cardinals right now. Nolan Arnauto's making 35, but 50 million of his contract is coming from Colorado. Mm-hmm. They got a bargain on Goldie at 26 million a year for five years. So the Cardinals essentially are paying those two guys. Arnauto will wind up getting from the Cardinals about 26 a year, 27 a year, and so will Goldie. But when you look at teams like the Padres and their owner has no qualms about losing money, or the Trey Turner and Bryce Harper contracts with Philadelphia where their owner has no qualms about his payroll reaching revenue. But you wonder about teams that actually do run it as a business where they like to make some money. I wonder if the Cardinals, A, I don't think the DeWitt family will ever get into a situation where they're willing just to spend and lose money. And I wonder if they're going to have to change their approach. Derek Gould talked about them having to spend more and get come to grips with that fact. Or what you can do is try to do what Tampa Bay does every year mm-hmm. at a highly competitive level and have a franchise where you don't have stars, but you do win. And I do think Cardinal fans, by the way, like having stars. Well, you, you, you want to have stars and you want to win games. And, you know, I was trying to look at these, the, the number of, um, I guess, the, the payrolls and how that compares to winning a championship. Because just because you pay a lot of money does not necessarily mean you're going to win a championship. No. And so it's about finding, as you said, finding the right players in the right places that can do the right things. And I know analytics will tell you if you punch this player X and player Y and player Z at these positions and pay them this amount of money, the outcome should be this. But it's not always like that. You said Tony, Tony La Russa said the game has a heartbeat. Tori said that, yeah. uh, Joe Tori. The the game has a heartbeat. So you got guys, you have to find a way to to pay the money that you need to win, uh, to to, to get the guys, but to also win. But to your point, Randy, I think that, you know, first of all, as a player, Mm -hmm. (laughs) listen, (laughs) you will will have a hard time having players – uh, decide on a salary cap when they see that the numbers can continue to go up and up and up. And so, as a player, as a former player, I'm all for it. You know, as a fan, it's a little bit it's a little bit disheartening because you do want to see that competitive balance amongst the teams. But that's a, that's that's a that's an organizational issue as opposed to to fans or, or or players. The teams have to figure out how to put the best team on the on the field in order to win a championship or even be competitive. I, I don't think. You can still recruit, uh, not recruit, but evaluate and develop talent 
and not have to develop, not have to go out and sign these huge number free agents to be able to win a championship. And and I think the Cardinals do a very good job of evaluating talent and developing talent and getting those guys to come in, you know, be younger players and, and play at a high level and play important uh, role an important role for this team. Other teams are going to have to spend more money on their scouting department and their developing yep. department in order to be good. If you want to be good, if you are not a franchise that can pay what the Yankees pay, that can pay what the Mets pay, you're going to have to spend more money on the development and evaluation department to be a, to be a better franchise. And that's why Tampa Bay has been able to succeed, because they do utilize their resources to scout pro players. That, that's where the majority of their success has come from. But I, I just I, I look at a franchise like the Cardinals, and if you've been a Cardinal fan since, two, uh, since 1909 for the last— 120th, whatever, how many? You still around? Yeah. If you if you are still around. Okay. All right? And listening to us, thank yeah. you. We, we appreciate you yeah. and we love you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but you, every year that the Cardinals have played in that time, there has been a Hall of Famer in uniform for the Cardinals. And... The Giants season ticket holders complained about not having a star after Mm -hmm. Buster Posey retired. And that's one of the reasons that they went hard after Judge and then they wound up getting Correa because they wanted to have a star on their team. Tampa Bay never has a star on their Mm -hmm. team. They do it in a budget manner. I I just wonder if the the bottom 20 revenue franchises in baseball are going to, over the long term, be able to keep their stars and succeed. Well, what happens if they don't? Like what? What eventually? If you have ten franchises that can pay every player X amount of dollars, what happens to those other twenty franchises? Well, that, I mean, you can't you can't just cut them off. As, like what what happens? As Greg said, Greg Amsinger said it earlier. Earlier, there have been haves and have-nots in baseball forever. Yeah, and that's just the way things are going to work out. And when you look at the way the the standings. Uh, are hashed out. There was Boston's a big market, big money team, but Boston didn't want to pay the luxury tax to keep Mookie Betts. They weren't trading him to the Cardinals. They weren't trading him to the Brewers. They were trading him to another big market, big money team. Uh, the, there were three teams in on Aaron Judge. It was the Giants, number five market. It was the Padres, don't care about how much money they spend, no budget in place. And it was the New York Yankees. It's just going to be very difficult, I think, for the teams in the bottom 20 markets to be able to keep those players around. And, and I think that's where we go. I, I don't disagree. But my, my question is if if those teams aren't able to compete, at, at what point does it just say, I mean – Randy, if you're a Cincinnati Reds fan, you have to be just distraught yeah. every time you go to the ballpark knowing, first of all, you see all of the seats that are empty. If you're a player, why would you want to ever play there? You're doing the best you can to get out of there as quickly as possible. If you're drafted there, are, are you deciding, ah, you know, I, I, I'll go back and, and go to college or I'll do something different? I don't want to. There, there. And I'm asking this because it has to come to a point where some of these franchises, how do they survive? I guess that's my question. I think the disparity is greater now than it's ever been, and I don't know. I I don't know how they survive. Now, a franchise like Pittsburgh, there is limited revenue sharing in baseball, and that guy's just he's pocketing the revenue sharing. (laughs) He's not sharing. And that's that's how he's making 
money for himself. Gotcha. But the players are not making what, uh, and the team's not competitive. It's the worst for the fans. And I don't know how they solve that problem without some sort of a salary floor. I don't even need a salary cap. Just there's got to be. Some mechanism that forces teams to pay to use their yes. revenue sharing money on on their franchises. And if they if they don't, what do you run the risk of? Do you lose draft picks? Do you lose? Do you get fined a, a, a X number of dollars? I think the ceiling floor. I mean, the the the, the floor would be necessary mm-hmm. because you do have franchises that aren't even trying. It's they aren't trying and. And my question, I guess I feel like if at some point, if you continue to play as poorly as you are and you don't spend money and other franchises are spending over and over the luxury tax and continuing to go up and up and up, there's no reason for those teams to even exist at some right. point. The Reds, the Pirates, the Royals, uh, why why even bother? The Marlins should be better. I'm not going to throw the Marlins into that mix. Uh, but... Th- even the Brewers, and that's that's a small market team. There, there's probably five or six franchises that have no chance of ever getting to the promised land because they just can't keep their guys around. Should Milwaukee have traded Josh Hader? Probably they, not. They couldn't keep him around. They couldn't pay for him. Yeah. So and, it's that, that's just where we're headed. And that's what I'm saying. If you are a if you are a Milwaukee Brewers fan and you see Josh Hader traded, you're like, well, what the heck do I need to come to the ballpark? Right, right. Why do I need yeah. to buy season tickets yep. if this is how you all treat our stars, our best players? We're not trying. We're not trying to win, and we're not trying to to win a championship for sure. We're definitely not trying to make it to the playoffs. And the Cardinals are on the edge of this, and that's why the the question for me is legit because and this all was born out of Jordan Walker in six years with where baseball contracts are headed now with where baseball revenues are right now and with the fact that the fact that the big teams don't care about budgets can a franchise in this market even though they have better revenues than most mid-market teams all mid-market teams can will the Cardinals be able to keep Jordan Walker on their team and field a competitive team. I think that's a real legit question, and that's going to be an important question in five to six years. Yep. Because if you let, uh, if, if if all accounts of what we're hearing about his potential and his play, mm-hmm. if he walks out of the door after after six seasons and goes on to have a continue to have a Hall of Fame career, there's going to be some frustration from Cardinal fans for them not uh, not choosing to spend that money that, that he should be getting. And here's the thing. If you look at another pro league that, that had an issue of too many good players on one team and not enough smaller markets having their stars, the NBA figured it out. But the problem is smaller rosters, no minor league thing having to deal with as, as owners having to deal with that cost. I mean, you, it, it's the mm-hmm. only time it's ever gotten figured out to where small market teams can keep their best players for long periods of times is in a league with 15-man rosters and technically yeah. you, you get like your G league team subsidized as opposed to having to run three levels of minor league teams and have a 40 and have a, you know a 50 man roster essentially what you're speaking about is they the the team that that current player plays for he can they can offer him more money than an mm-hmm. opposing team can which if the, if if major league baseball were to look at it in that right I, I don't know if that changes or helps anything but not just that it's that they can they can sign their they can sign good players that they've developed to huge contracts and yeah. still field a reasonable team right. around them as opposed to if the A's wanted to sign a legitimate player at 25 million they would then have 12 they would then have 20 million to field the other entirety of their roster For, that's yeah. this kind of thing that baseball needs to figure out how do we get a team that's smaller market to sign one of their big name young players and still be able to field an, an actually competitive roster around him. So it, it, it boils down to that 
that organization signing that player sooner than they would want to. Sign him, signing them to a bigger contract, maybe two or three years in, so they don't have to go to arbitration. Oh, so yeah, they don't like become the young deal. Yeah. <laughs> well, Randy, I was thinking more like Colton Wong, but okay. Or Michael Young, Michael Young the second. Alan Craig. Randy, don't go all negative on me. People get injured, Randy. People hurt their feet when they're running around bases at times. It happens. It happens in the World Series. That's uh, Carrie and Matthew. I'm Randy. Coming up on today's big thing, Bill Barnwell has an interesting piece up at ESPN.com. Fallout from the Rams, Broncos, Saints trading early 2023 NFL draft picks. And Kerry played for a disciplined front office in Pittsburgh. Is that still the way to go in the NFL? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. It's interesting, Carrie, to look at the the top records among teams in the NFL, and you've got Buffalo at 10 and 3. You've got the Ravens at 9 and 4. Tennessee at 7 and 6. The Chiefs at 10 and 3. Philadelphia at 12 and 1. Minnesota at 10 and 3. Tampa Bay at 6 and 7. San Francisco at 9 and 4. What's the general common denominator among those teams outside of San Francisco giving up picks for Trey Lance? It's that they've been disciplined. Right now, Kerry, as we speak, Three of the top five picks in next year's NFL draft are not held by their original team. The Broncos gave up their pick so that they could get Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. The Rams gave up their pick so that they could get Matthew Stafford. And the Saints made a deal on draft day last year so that they could get multiple picks in last season's draft. Les Snead famously wore the T-shirt that said F them picks <laughs> at the parade last year. Yeah. And for the Rams, that'll always be worth it. If you're a Rams fan, winning the Super Bowl will always be worth it. And you don't care about being four and nine or whatever you are this year and uh, having low picks for the foreseeable future. But if you want to have sustained success, it seems to me that not trading away tons of picks is still the way to go. Well, definitely. It's it's so it's so simple, Randy. And but people make it extremely hard and they make it difficult because they don't want to put in the time or the work or the 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 effort to find people to do a, a job well enough to develop talent. You cannot just buy your way to a championship. And I know the Rams, they they sold their way. They they mm-hmm. sold picks and they gave them away and they found a way to win a championship. And it's gonna be some lean years for from here for the next five or six years because they're gonna they're gonna struggle with with the contracts that they've paid out and how much how many picks they do not have to be able to develop that talent. But the thing I think that that Pittsburgh does well is and it does well and organizations that that win championships or that have won championships is I don't recall a time where you feel like first of all Pittsburgh doesn't go out and sign big time free agents. Mm-hmm. They they that's just never been their MO. They they don't go out and sign a guy to a 5-year 85 million dollar with a 40 million dollar bonus. That I just don't recall that and I, I if I'm wrong please text in 65780 and let me know. But that's something that they don't do. They go through the draft. They find the talent. They draft a guy like Troy Polamalu. They moved up a couple of spots to get a Troy Polamalu. And then you and then you and then you develop him as much as you can because he's already who he is, and then he becomes a Hall of Famer. 
that's the the if you are going to spend money, spend it on the development side, spend it on the evaluation side, on the scouting side, finding people that can get the guys that fit your mold. Because as you said, Randy, one thing that happens when you sign a free agent, they're coming in from an organization that is vastly different from where you are right now. They may have habits that are different from what you have. I played on five teams, Randy. I can tell you with 100% certainty, each one of those franchises were different in how they handled their business, and the best one was Pittsburgh because of how they handled their business. Steelers have no qualms about letting a James Harrison or a Santonio Holmes or a Le'Veon Bell walk away, and there's a program in place to replace those guys. Think the Chiefs really wanted to get rid of Tyreek Hill? No. no. But what are they able to do? They're able to get draft choices from a team so that they can continue to supplement. They just have a new number 10 this year. And right. they go out and get lower-priced receivers. But they have confidence in their ability to develop players. To me, that is always in football. That's always going to be the way to go. And one thing I think that, that – and I can only speak for Pittsburgh because I've seen it firsthand – one thing that I think that they do well, as I was talking about, signing players before they get to that point where they are going to require a, a huge, massive contract. Willie Parker was was signed to a four-year, $16 million deal the year before he went to the Super Bowl. Now, that's a franchise trusting. He was a, a two-year starter at that point, but that's a franchise trusting that we got to get this guy paid. I don't want to give him a one-year deal and kind of a prove it deal. And now he's a he's a he's a uh, uh, a pro bowler. And now we got to come to the table with another four years. Now forty-five million, fifty-five million. Mm-hmm. They were able to save themselves a ton of money. And truthfully, a lot of people were saying, "Hey, you probably shouldn't sign that, bro. You you should take a <laughs> take a take a one-year deal or 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 figure something out because if you do do what we think you're going to do." You're going to be missing out on a lot of money, but that's what good organizations do. They sign guys to that contract before they can hit free agency, before they can hit that massive number that they're going to require or deserve, and that's generally the best way to go about it. And one quick thing here, we're going to get to Howard Griffith, former Illini fullback, just like Kerry, in a moment. Denver's trade with Seattle. Denver sends first-round picks in 22 and 23, second round picks in 2022 and 2023, a fifth rounder in 2022, and three players, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, and Drew Locke to Seattle for Russell Wilson. Does Seattle do that trade again? I don't think that Seattle uh, has any qualms at all about making that trade. I think they would do it again and again and again. Yeah. And Denver would not, right? No, Denver would be looking at it saying, how do we get our, how do we get yeah. our stuff back? This one's a little different. The Rams send their 2021 third-round pick, first-round picks in 22 and 23, and Jared Goff to Detroit for Matthew Stafford. The Rams, even though they aren't going to have a pick this year, didn't have one last year, they make that pick because of the result again and again and again, right? Yep. Because you won the Super Bowl. But if it was anything other than a Super Bowl championship— even no. if they make the Super Bowl, right? You don't do it. Nope, you you don't because you're going to lose out on so many things. And Detroit would obviously do it again, depending on how they or who they pick this upcoming draft. Mm-hmm. I think they're on the path to do some great things, and and they're already doing them this season. But I think if you're looking at it, both teams, do make that trade again because it's, it's benefited both of them pretty well. So uh, the the advice to NFL teams maintain your discipline. Don't F them picks because for long term, (laughs) it's not going to benefit you. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, Illinois is like fullback you, and we're going to talk to one of the great ones, Howard Griffith, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. The opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. And we go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Another Super Bowl champ that played fullback at Illinois. Howard Griffith from the Big Ten Network joins us now. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing wonderful, Howard. That is like one of the best songs that I have ever heard in my life. I enjoy it every time it plays on these airways. I enjoy having a, a former Illini on with us as well. Howard, I, I have told uh, the good folks here at ESPN that uh, that the University of Illinois is essentially fullback you. They have yourself. You have Robert Holcomb. You have Jameel Cook me, and then Jason Davis. We, we are essentially former fullbacks that make it to the NFL and 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 win Super Bowls as well. We, we've done an outstanding job at the University of Illinois. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up because I've <laughs> never thought about that. You know what? That, well, let's run with it. Let's get the shirts made. Okay? Let's do it. <laughs> well, let's, thank you. And let's, hey, let's roll with that. that. That's who we are. That's what we do. <laughs> S- speaking of our, our great university, Howard, how, how well did you think of – what did you think about this season um, with them going 8-4, and four, losing a couple of tough games? Um, but what, what did you make of this season and, and how well it went? Showed the growth and the consistency and really showed, you know, if you have the right people coaching these young people, you're going to be able to have success. And that's really what it comes down to, being able to put people in the best position they can to be able to succeed. Now, did they lose a couple of close ones? Absolutely. And that's a tough situation, but I think that's a part of the process of learning how to win and learning how to compete for championships because it just doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. And you look back at some of the games – the heartbreakers that they lost, you know, those were self-inflicted wounds. And those are things that I think the, the program had a chance to grow from and also had an opportunity to, you know, get better as the year went on. Howard Griffith, Big Ten Network, a former Illini fullback from now fullback you. It's, it's been dubbed <laughs> that officially here on 101 ESPN. Hey, uh, let's talk about the Big Ten. A couple of teams in the uh, college football playoff, and once again, the Big Ten shows themselves to be one of the, the two big powerhouse conferences. Uh, let's start with Michigan, though. Two-time champions now, back-to-back in the Big Ten. And I, I watched TCU play several times. I watched Michigan play a lot. I can't yeah. see, and I, I have respect for TCU, I just don't see how in a second half they stay with Michigan. You know what, I, I kind of feel that way as well, but I go back a few years when Wisconsin went out to the Rose Bowl and played TCU, and really I didn't have a good appreciation for what they did there, and I thought this was a, a gimmicky type of school, and now the, the system has changed a little bit, but I thought it was a gimmicky type of system that they're running. Those guys could play some football, and I was really impressed with what I saw because I like to watch the teams in pregame warm-up if I don't get a chance to stay in practice uh, that previous week, and I was really impressed with what they do. So I got a great deal of respect of, of what they're doing at TCU and what they have done and accomplished, but I think you're right. The way you look at them from a defensive standpoint, they're going to give up some rushing yards, and Michigan wants to run the ball and control the game uh, with the big fellas up front. So I think you're right. When you start to look at if the game is close, if they don't blow this thing wide open early, then in the second half, Michigan will be able to pull away and really control games as long as J.J. makes all the right decisions with the football and is able to hit some of those explosive plays down the field. Hey, Howard, what are your thoughts about uh, Georgia versus uh, Ohio State? Ohio State able to get in uh, due to the USC loss. What do you think about their chances versus the the powerhouse that has been the Georgia Bulldogs all season? Yeah, physically, uh, a, a dominating team, you know, really athletic offensive line, defensive line, they can get after you, you know you, they can run. Uh, Stetson, it, 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 
he's not that sexy quarterback. All he does is win, right? All mm-hmm. he does is find a way to put the ball in, in the hands of his playmakers, and he's cool under pressure. And, you know, you got to give him a lot of credit. But this is a situation, right, where you look at Ohio State the entire year, going back a year, when they lost to Michigan, uh, they had built themselves and prided themselves on being, being physical, being able to be dominant, and being able to control the football game. And to go against Michigan and not allow that to happen was, was shattering for them. And then you mentioned a week later they find themselves uh, in a situation where they can get back into the playoffs. Now they're playing a team that's built similar to Michigan when you talk about the physical offense and defensive line and the way they run. So this is an opportunity for this Ohio State team to maybe exercise a few demons just in the style of play uh, versus Georgia. But it's going to be a tough matchup. But Ohio State has the players on the outside to make things happen. They just have to be consistent to me in the run game and on defense, not giving up those explosive plays because we saw – when it truly counted, they weren't able to execute the big play. Howard, that's exactly where I was going to go. If Ohio State has a chance, it's Marvin Harrison Jr. versus that secondary, and and uh, Ringo for Georgia has had a had 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 not a great season. I think that's their best chance. C.J. Stroud mm-hmm. connecting with Marvin Harrison Jr. on the outside, who is an absolute stud. Is is that what you're seeing also? Yeah. I, first of all, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. and I, I first I'm first to say I've not seen every player in collegiate sports, football this year. Mm -hmm. But it's hard for me to believe that he is not one of the best five players in all of college uh, football. He is just that good. Uh, He's, to me, the best player in the Big Ten without question. Uh, And that's saying something when you're talking about a wide receiver. But the way he plays the game, as physical as he is, being 6'4", 210, 215, the way he comes in and out of breaks, catches the football at high points, it does all the things you want him to do. It's going to be important for them to find ways to get them the ball because they, they can do it. They're not going to be able to double-team them the whole game, nor is that what Georgia ultimately wants to do. But they're going to need to be able to run the ball with some consistency and be able to protect C.J. C.J. can make all the plays when he's, when he's comfortable in the pocket. they got to make sure that he's comfortable. But I, like, I do like their chances. It's an uphill battle. Nobody's going to give them much of a chance. But, man, I am hoping – for Ohio State, Michigan, and SoFi, man, that would be unbelievable. There's no telling what tickets would cost. Oh, no doubt. (laughs) Is there a more entitled and reactionary group of people than Ohio State fans when they they lose to Michigan? (laughs) I think there are a few fan bases out there that are like that. Some might even be in the Big Ten. thoughts on the, the the playoff expansion how much do you think that's going to help college football uh, and what are you looking forward to most about the expansion yeah I think it's going to help college football immensely I, I think it, the, what college football was getting to 
it was getting to a point where it was really regionalized. And that's not at all what college sports is, is ultimately, I think, supposed to be about. And, and you, you had, you know, really the West Coast not involved uh, in the playoffs. That's the way it was shaping out. Unfortunately, it, kind of, it looks like it is that way again. And it was really just about the SEC. And people really thought the SEC, Clemson, uh, and, you know, the Big Ten would be the teams in Notre Dame every now and then would be the teams that would be there. But to me, to have so many fan bases uh, involved, 12 and 12 teams. Now, I don't in any way think that there are 12 teams that could win a national title that are good enough to win a tight national title. But to be able to have those fan bases involved, I think to be able to have first-round games on campuses, to me, is huge. Got teams are getting a buy, but being able to have that first-round buy on college campuses, I think is going to be something that, um, you know, obviously college towns and, and those fan bases are going to have some, some great opportunities to visit some great places, whether it's in the South, North, East, or West, uh, to be able to watch their teams compete. Hey, Howard, uh, back to the Big Ten real quick. The uh, UCLA Board of Regents decided to uh, agree to join the Big Ten. How important is that USC-UCLA uh, addition? Going, how much is that going to help the Big Ten going forward? It's going to be huge, right? And I think here's the reality. We're getting ready to go away from the East and West division. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one conference. Um, and and this is about really being able to you get your best two, three, four teams into the playoffs, right? But I think it also, you know, strengthens the Big Ten brand. Now you're really talking about East to West. Um, yeah, there are going to be some challenges when it comes to travel, but I think they're going to ultimately be able to work some of those things out and work, uh, be able to make sure that the student athletes aren't having more wear and tear on their body. And for me, it's really about, uh, let's, let's call it the Olympic sports, right? Because those are, are the sports that I think that are going to be most affected by the travel. But to be able to say that, you know, USC and UCLA are part of the Big Ten, it, it, it's massive. And, and I think that's a huge move. And this is why you're seeing, you know, the SEC and the Big Ten conferences, they are going to be the premier conferences moving forward. And I don't think anyone's in position to to even play catch up. Howard Griffith, one last thing before we let you go. As an Illinois fullback, how much pride do you take in watching a guy like Kerry Davis line up in a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl like you did, and then find follow your footsteps into media too? I mean, you guys are, are like the same guy, except you're a few years ahead of him. Man, this is what happens, man. We just have to find our little way, right? We're used to carrying the football a lot, and we have to figure out how we can make it to the next level and find our way. We just fit in where we get in, right? That's what it comes down to. We just work hard, let's fail guys, put our hands down and keep moving. But he's been doing an unbelievable job, have enjoyed watching and following his career as he continues to blow up. So, you know, that fullback you, this is what we do. Fullback and media you. Let's go with that one. Yeah. And, and by the way, <laughs> you, you talked about touching the ball. Uh, do, do you recall anybody ever scoring eight touchdowns in a football game, Howard? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there, there, was a, there was a guy I once knew. Uh, he, had, he had curly hair. He was young. I thought he was good looking, but I'm not really sure. Uh, but, you know, one of those days, way back, and I tell everybody, I, I wish I would have played the lottery that day as opposed to riding around on a scooter hanging out at camp. Uh, maybe I wouldn't be doing anything right now. <laughs> Howard, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. We'll get you back on soon. I would love to. Have fun, guys. Take All care right. and enjoy the weekend. ILL.
I and I. Howard Griffith, Super Bowl champ and uh, from the Big Ten Network on 101 ESPN. He's great. And I know that you take a lot of pride in the, in the fullbacks. And yeah. when a full, it's not just fullbacks either. When an Illini guy lines up in the NFL and you're watching the game, you're paying attention to him. I am so excited and so thrilled because I know what that, that – course was, what that journey was, what it took. He talked about Cam's. Anybody that's ever played at Illinois, went to Illinois, has stepped foot in Cam's and we all had good times on Friday nights and Saturday nights. So, yeah, we, we all kind of have the same story but, you know, it's it's, it's always fun to, to catch up with those guys and, and watch the people have success that they have. And we're going to get to rock and roll in a second, but can you imagine we talk about Marvin Harrison Jr. Can you imagine if Jackson Smith and Jigba was healthy? Oh my goodness. He was he was the guy yes. last year. With the two guys that just got drafted. Yeah, right. Yeah. So he was, he was the better best. than them. He was better than both of them. Yeah. They are I, I you know, Randy, I think Ohio State, as I said, they running the ball and, and that that front that you're gonna play against against Georgia is gonna be tough. And it's going to be a tough task, but if you get outside with those athletes and with Marvin Harrison Jr., I agree with Howard. He is probably one of the five best players. The way he contorts his body, uses his hands, catches the ball so well, gets gets extra yards, yards after catch. He is a fantastic football player. If you can find a way to get the ball into his hands and put some stress on that Georgia defense, Georgia, I mean, uh, Ohio State versus Michigan in a National championship game? The, the, oh, that would be crazy. The internet would explode. Yes, it would. <laughs> Rock and roll coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. All right, I know you're going to be texting in. I know Mizzou was going to go to the Mountain West, but just because Mizzou would have gone to the Mountain West would not have put them in a Power 5 situation. Yeah, my bad, I meant to say FBS. <laughs> not Power 5, FBS. My apologies. No problem. Sorry, UNLV, I bumped you up a, 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 an entire Very conference much. there. I apologize. The Rebels, they're, they're good to go. Bobby Petrino's perfect for Vegas. But yeah, how about, I mean, perfect that is just Vegas. incredible. I mean, he's a guy who hit, he hit the transfer field hard despite being at Missouri State, and he had success there. Now, now you get to do what UNLV in Vegas? Come on now. Think, so I think talk- I can give Barry Odom a call and see if he can come recruit some of our guys. I think, I think he, he will, yeah. yeah. Barry so, and I had a... I oh, yeah, he kind of had a falling yeah. out. But you know what? He, a little he, bit. Not really. He just kind of got mad at but me. But he loves St. Louis football players. Well, come on, Barry. Come on back. Except he, they were all overrated. So, <laughs> Wait, Mizzou had some overrated guys on the St. Louis. Uh, yeah, St. No, he didn't get them. Because oh, they were all over. They, they didn't were, even they, recruit them. Because oh, they were all they, overrated. He couldn't get them. Yeah, so they went to USC and Oklahoma and stuff that like that. That stinks, Rock. So... Here's the thing well, with Bobby Petrino. Bobby Petrino. All of a sudden, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Hey, hey. We love Mizzou here. Yeah. Bobby, M-I-Z. Yeah. Z-O-U. Z-O-U. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You finish it. <laughs> uh, Bobby Petrino's a really good coach. Here's what he had going at Missouri State, and this is the way to do it. All right? So, for example, you, and I'm just throwing this out there. This is totally an example. I have no names. But what they do is they get a DeSmet kid, for example. Okay. Uh, and DeSmet's got, the, the DeSmet kid is like, Friends with Makai Wingo, okay, who wound up going to LSU. What Petrino does is he'll go to his DeSmet kid, and if the DeSmet teammate that he had isn't starting or isn't getting a ton of reps at the FBS school that he went to, Petrino will tell his kid, hey, call your buddy, find out if he's if, if he's happy there. If he's not, tell him that we got a spot for him here at Missouri yeah. State. Yeah. And it's not tampering because it's just two kids talking, right? Just two buddies, yeah. two pals. 
And so that's one of the reasons that they were able to get so many good transfers at Missouri State, because they actually recruited other teams' players via their own players. Not a bad way to go about it. Go no. about it, Randy. I left off one uh, very famous Illini fullback, and that would be one Ray Nitschke. Oh yeah, cannot forget about old Ray. Yeah, old Ray, yeah. Ray Nitschke. He wound up being pretty that's good. A, that's a that's a football name. We got football names in well, Illinois. I guess if we're going to do Grange, this, can you play linebacker Luke too? Buckus. Can I? Could you have played linebacker too? Yeah, I would have. I actually asked Dick LeBeau if he would allow me to play defense one year. I was not getting much time offensively. They were uh, kind of ushering the fullback position out of the way. Sorry. Were, were, were the middle linebackers not on that team? Larry yeah, I didn't Foot, care. Larry Foote and James no, Ferrier. I could have played. I was going to try to play a little safety. We had a couple good ones there, but, you know, I could have helped out. Outside linebackers hey, were James I Harrison said, and Joey said, Porter. I'm just I, saying, I don't, man. I don't know much of the defensive terminology, but I do know when to blitz, <laughs> and I do like to hit people. So if you need me, I'm here. <laughs> you were there for him. I'm here. Terry <laughs> 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 stared at the roster with like seven Pro Bowlers and was like, Coach, I'm not getting a lot of time on this offense, but I see I, I could help listen, you out here. I say, I don't you know what BA is over here doing. He's done. He's lost his damn mind, but I know you yes, are a sound you mind, like Coach LeBeau. Fourth ranked defense, like 17th ranked offense. You're like, I feel like I'd help the defense more so. I led, the, I led the team in tackles on special teams one year. I was I was a guy. Along I those like lines. Hit. Gotta believe it. When the Rams defense in 2000 was terrible, Marshall went to Mike Martz and said, "Hey, I'll play cornerback for you." Yeah, you got to you yep. got to do what you got to do. And this is a guy that nobody else wanted as a running back in college. They only wanted they him to wanted play, to play DB. He could have done it. He would have been the best guy on that team, probably. Yeah. All right, what do we got for Who rock was on and roll? That team? Was that that wasn't Ty Hill? <laughs> that was uh, no. This was McLeon and oh, uh, Mr. McLeon was and, a really and good Todd Light fell player. off the cliff that Todd year. Todd Light did. Yeah, he was a safety though. No, Todd was a corner. He was still playing you're corner. Th- you're thinking of Keith Lyle. Thinking of Lyle. You're right. Yeah. Yep. Well, that, that, right off the gate, that was going to be my first thing. I mean, by, uh, by love, I love the move. Obviously, I, I hope the best for Barry Odom. Uh, I don't see why he has such a such a thing against our Illinois guy in Kerry Davis. I thought it was a fairly right. innocuous joke he told him that one time. He was um, But, I mean, Bobby Petrino moving and getting to an FBS school, moving back into just the limelight like this, I think it's fun for college football. Yeah, probably not the probably not the guy you want running your program necessarily, but if you're just drawing up the X's and O's on the whiteboard, why not? Is he the OC? Is OC, that what yeah, he's doing? That's what I'm saying. Okay. He's joining Barry as his OC. And again, Barry's a defensive-minded head coach, so you get a guy who's that level of maniacal genius on the offense and say, let it run, baby. Here's the, here's the, the part about the dirty, ugly... Uh, filthy part of college football that a lot of people don't don't discuss or don't understand. I actually was talking, I was texting with a coach last night, and he said, oh, coach, I'm no longer at X, Y, at this particular school. Our head coach blindsided us and went and took a position at an FBS school. He was an FCS coach. He blindsided us and took a position at an FBS school as an assistant. And so the new head coach got hired, and we are all out of a job. We just got here in January. Wow. This is the dirt. So when you look at Missouri State and what what Bobby Petrino did, there are going to be a j- bunch of gentlemen mm-hmm. on that staff if they fight if they high, hire a new coach, that those gentlemen are going to be looking for other positions. Those guys have all been with Petrino forever too. Including they're not his going. Son. To, they're not going to UNLV with him. No, not he, all of them. His son was his offensive coordinator. He had a guy that had been with him. Uh, through like Arkansas and Louisville, both times as his defensive coordinator. So yeah, there will be a lot of disappointed guys there. It's gonna be. This is the ugly side of sports, and this is why I don't mind when kids can transfer and leave mm-hmm. and go wherever the heck they want to go whenever they want to because. These coaches pick up and leave, and, and and I can't fault them. I can't fault uh, Petrino for leaving and going to have an opportunity to be an OC at a FBS school. But 
still, there are a bunch of men that are left there at Mo State looking for, potentially looking for mm-hmm. jobs after after last night. Let's make sure we learn something in this segment. Okay, so UNLV is in the Mountain West. Yes. And okay. The Power Five has five conferences. Yes. Pac-12, Pac-12 the Big, Big 12, 12, ACC, and then the Big Two. Yeah. And then they call the other ones the group of five. Group of five. But they are all FBS. So Mac is still FBS, but they are group of five. Yeah. There you go. And now we all learned list. a little bit something. Yeah, thanks we, to my thanks to my little flub at the beginning of the segment. How about that? It's not your fault, Rock. They changed it. They changed it from D one and D one double A a few years ago because I guess they wanted to be politically correct. They didn't want anyone feeling like they were double A and not mm-hmm. to the standard. You know, we do a lot of things to make sure people are not their feelings are not hurt. Now, we do. I say that, Randy, sometimes your feelings getting hurt it's make you a you. better person. I agree with that. Yeah, okay. I'm with you. I'm not good with anagrams. Um, <laughs> also, yesterday, uh, on Wednesday, was the December league meetings for the NFL. A couple of interesting things come out of it. The first thing that came out was Jim Irsay saying that he doesn't know if he wants to completely oust Dan Snyder just yet that he hasn't seen enough evidence to oust Dan Snyder. Here's my thing. There was also comments from Roger Goodell that there's that the NFL itself is pushing back on the part of the congressional report that says that they were lying to Congress. So my question here is, did Congress almost help Daniel Snyder by bringing the NFL in to the blame in the same piece? Because it feels like the NFL is going to go, is going to try to shed less light on this new thing because they are also incriminated in it. This, yeah, probably. This is how I envision this soap opera of a story taking place, and this is just all speculation. Dan Snyder sends the the, the picture to the uh, Washington Post, but he also sends it to the other 30, 31 owners and say, "Hey, you see this? I got one of these, something like this for each one of you guys." And now Ursay is saying. You know what? Maybe this Dan Snyder guy is not as bad as we once thought he was. We don't necessarily need to oust him just yet. What are you? Who said that? I didn't say that. Yeah, you did. You just said it a couple of weeks ago. But there is some. Dan Snyder told him, I got information on all you guys. Mm-hmm. And whenever you want to play ball, just let me know. And now. This is yeah. just, you are, you are. <laughs> the now, say. Now, the fact that it's Now, is like, oh, you know what? Dan, you're a good guy. I, I, you know, I actually like the Washington franchise. You, you've done a solid job. You can continue. He's got to have one of the uglier closets. He of, uh, has yeah, yeah. information. He's a he's he's a politician. He's been around it too long. In Washington D.C., mm-hmm. there is nothing that he does not know about each one of those owners, and he let them know. He may have sent them. He may have sent them a text message. Hey, read this in private. Yeah. They don't want anyone else to see this. Just for your eyes only. Don't mess with me. <laughs> <laughs> and again, the, the fact that Goodell's like, no, we didn't do what they said we did. That's that's a yeah. little part in this one, oh. but I don't think it, it's the biggest thing. By the way, this was Ursay's comment at the end. I said from the beginning, I was only interested in finding out more because there's a lot of concern and there's merit <laughs> oh. to look at the possibility. <laughs> but I said to give a consideriz- consideration or to look at it. I never said vote him out. It's something that's a big deal. We'll see what the new year brings. Rock, this might be video. He, he found video. out more and he wants to know nothing. Nothing else. Yeah. He yeah, found out go. more. I just need to know more. Oh, that's what you got. Uh, okay.
okay, I'm good. And there's also one other thing I want to throw out from the uh, the December meetings that could have some some weight later on, and that is they are considering ejecting players for roughing the passer penalties. Oh, right off the bat, Lord. though, league pres- league executive Troy Vincent has expressed some problems with how this would be sanctioned overall, but we saw targeting come into college football a few years ago. Now they're talking about ejections for roughing the passer calls here in the in the NFL. If there was if this was maybe for defensive receivers, kind of like a targeting thing from the from college football, I actually wouldn't groan, but the fact that it's roughing the passer, one of the more broken penalties right now in the NFL, that's a problematic step in, step in that direction. Here's why targeting even in college is one of the worst rules you could ever come up with. When a receiver sees a defensive player, or a running back or whomever is catching a ball or running and not seeing when they see them at the last second their initial thing is to get low because the low man wins so if I get low a split second before you're able to get low I'm going to hit you in the head I was not aiming for your head but now you made a decision right before I could make my decision right before contact was made and now I hit you in the head and now I'm ejected for the game it is one of the worst rules in college football. There are times Terrible. where it does seem intentional and there are guys actually targeting people, but those referees, they need to have played the game and understand in that moment it is the most unavoidable thing you can do, targeting when they call it in most of those aspects. It is the worst rule to throw a kid out. And if you're talking about throwing out NFL players, it is it is an absolutely terrible decision. Landing your weight on the quarterback, I understand why they took it out and made it part of the penalty, but that's not an ejectable you thing. You can't avoid that either if you're 300 pounds. Nope. <laughs> Coming up, we're going to have some tickets to give away. We'll do that quickly next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. and Ajax coming up with a balloon party here on 101 ESPN. Right now, your chance to score a four-pack of tickets to the SLU Billikens game against Drake at Chaffetz Arena on Saturday night. Tickets on sale now at slewbillikens.com, but you can text us at 65780 for your chance to win free tickets to Saturday's game. Four of them right now, and all you need to do is answer this question. Who is SLU's all-time winningest basketball coach. Who is Slew's all-time winningest basketball coach? Texter number 21 gets the tickets for Saturday night over at Chaffetz Arena. Blues and Oilers tonight, pregame at 7, faceoff at 8. Who you got in that one, CD? Got the Blues. Let's go Blues. Yeah, best performances of the year were against Edmonton. So I'm going to join you in picking the Blues, and I know that Matthew, our producer-engineer, is going to do so as well. Can I give you a score? Yes. 3-1. 3-1 Blues. Empty netter. All right. Uh, right Matthew is uh, he, he is cruising for a bruising. What kind of jersey are you going to be wearing tomorrow? I'm not going to be wearing a jersey tomorrow. <laughs> I'm, I'm, going to be go- I'm going to be going to a game that is played in an arena where the Detroit Red Wings also play hockey. Okay. You're not wearing I, a jersey? I'm not, gonna be, I'm not going to be wearing a Detroit Red Wings jersey, no. Oh. Okay, so we don't have a punch a Red Wings fan in the face. Because either. we can't do that anymore. <laughs> right, no. oh, that's right. It's politically so incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> I told Randy that I have a I now I now have a Detroit Red Wings hoodie, and I admitted that to Randy because I, I believe trust is an important thing. It, trust is an important thing, right. and I didn't want Randy to think I was lying to him about that. I don't wear it very often, though. I promise. Okay, that's I'm a good sorry. thing. You, you, sorry, you shouldn't wear it here. He might oh, God, mistake no. you for oh, a God. Red Wings I'm, fan. I'm not going to wear that thing. Out. You think I wear that thing out of in like public? <laughs> oh, no. You think I'm going to wear that thing out <laughs> of my house? It is a very soft hoodie that is that is there for. 
te- after 10.30 p.m. and that's it. <laughs> not in public and not before then. So uh, Grand Francis is going to be in tomorrow, so we'll have a, a CD, I would imagine, a highly prepared program. <laughs> <laughs> One where everything is it just runs smoothly. Uh, well, this, this and they, they, they turn the microphones the mic- off during commercials. That would that would be important. <laughs> the good thing is this isn't going to eat away at me on my vacation. <laughs> Don't let it eat away. At Timmy's you coming up next. Uh, CD, great job as always. Thank you, sir. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at seven. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.